0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: It's like baby
2: I from the wild woods of Vancouver Island. Welcome to the soap opera. Isha Jerome here alongside the State of Hoppy, and I want to thank everybody joining us wherever and whenever you're listening, and a big shout out to those who are tuning in on Facebook Live and YouTube. Um, How's
3: it going, State of Hoppy? Doing good, man. Uh, Excited to get into a couple of the guests here, talk breweries. Just another day. What's going on with
2: you? Well, there's a ton of wild news that's been coming out this week. Like it's crazy. I know we did like an emergency podcast earlier this week. Uh, the videos of, uh, on the Facebook live videos and the YouTube video have been up all week, but I just posted uh, the podcast uh, prior to jumping on here. And I was thinking to myself, man, like we could have done like three emergency episodes this week with the amount of hockey news that is coming out, especially in regards to the Minnesota wild. Uh, but uh, Frank Saravelli went on a rampage of tweets earlier that uh you know confirmed some of these whispers we heard about the cba and of course more dates were were tweeted out so i'm pumped man i've been looking forward to this episode for a few weeks i got a i got my funny little painting up there on the wall um i actually and uh i was talking to you about this i ordered some sweets posters from uh from one of my favorite breweries phillips brewery here on vancouver island and um we're hopefully gonna gonna have some fun with them and uh do some like twitter activities and and of course bring them on the show soon i I won't get into details yet because it's still in the works but you can attest to man like the this art the the artwork that comes out of phillips brewing is unbelievable
3: oh absolutely and i know there's a lot of people probably watching that know some of the breweries here in minnesota too that have just otherworldly art We'll be sure to bring them in and feature them eventually, but I I can attest Phillips is pretty cool. What's like one of your
2: favorites off the top of your head in Minnesota that has like some, some really funky art.
3: You know, a lot of people definitely will go to Surly as being one of them. Uh, Another one that isn't, I mean, it might as well be a Minnesota brewery because they have a cult following here in the twin cities. People will track their shipments whenever they come out. Uh, But it's Drecker up in Fargo. Their artwork is next level okay very very cool
2: like what what are some examples like cartoonish or, or like what because the phillips one i sent you right the pandemonium was right. this massive panda with like lasers coming out of its eyes i shared the picture on twitter it was a it was a very it was a super ipa that again i didn't find super super hoppy um but but like yeah talk about the the art that makes that brewery special
3: yeah you know it, it's kind of cartoony like you would say but it's got i mean kind of more like the pandemonium where it's got that dark twist to it okay. so I mean, it, it's all, like, different creatures and monsters. Um, you know, the brewery itself, their logo is a Viking head. Um, their, their brewery is called Brewhalla. Um, oh, that's but the, the beers, they have some really cool names, which we'll kind of dive into something similar here in a little bit. But really cool names, really cool artwork, and their beer is definitely in the upper echelon, too.
2: Awesome. Well, you said it. Let's get right into some some beer talk here. The quick show rundown, folks. We've got the state of Hoppy, which all things uh, beer talk, craft beer talk, Um, You know, we're going to run down our beer poll question, which I'll hand it off to the state of Hoppy as he was hard at work today. I'm quickly going to run down the Bob Prover Invitational uh, because, well, you answered the call, Minnesota fans, and uh, I'm so fucking happy you did. Uh, Zeke of Hockey Wilderness of SB Nation, he's jumping on in about 10, 15 minutes live here on the podcast to talk about all these well, most of the Minnesota wild topics that have rolled out through the week. I mean, a couple of Russo bombs, man, even today. Um, and then for, not on Facebook Live, but if you're listening to the podcast, uh, Jesse Pierce of The Athletic is joining us in this, the slot right after. And then we're going to end off the show with just uh, the rest of, you know, National Hockey League slash General Hockey topics uh, right at the end of the show. And uh, Neil Villapiano in the last five to ten minutes is going to jump on just to run down, uh, well the busy week that was uh, in New Jersey with the New Jersey Devils, with the new general manager, well, signing, keeping on their interim general manager in Tom Fitzgerald. And um, and now, well, signing Lindy Ruff as their head coach, which in itself was a very, very interesting move. Not taking anything away from, from Lindy Ruff, but with the other coaching options out there, it wouldn't have been top on my list and we actually brought Neil Villapiano on the SodaPod uh, a few episodes back and when we were talking about potential coaches for, for both the Wild and New Jersey man Lindy Ruff didn't even come up in the conversation so I'm excited to dive into that uh, before we get into the state of Hoppy we have a text and voicemail open to all Minnesota fans and beyond listen, listen it's simple if you call us leave us a voicemail text us we'll put you on the podcast it's a great way to interact so don't be shy we're going to get um, voicemail availability for next podcast next Next week again, we just renewed our deal with Open Phone. You can text us in the time being 612 324 1684. Again, that's 612 324 1684, or get in touch with us on Twitter at the SodaPod. Um, you know, I'll run down our, our sponsors and stuff on, on the other side. Let's get into the hoppy hour featuring the state of hoppy. Um, let's dive into the beer poll question this week and what you've been up to, my friend
3: yep and real quick too before jumping in shed, my my buddy out, out in wyoming just texted me and said lindy is a god don't you dare disrespect him so hey
2: no disrespect off the top no disrespect <laughs> no disrespect just not my first choice hey, we'll oh, no 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 it's
3: it's more it's more a leading comment to make sure that we don't but okay. uh <laughs> well
1: in that um, case
2: fuck lindy Ruff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay get some beers get some whatever and start celebrating
3: First, uh, thanks everyone who has gone in and actually interacted with our polls, whether it's commenting, whether it's actually voting yourself. Uh, really excited about this one today, that one, Barrel Theory, out of our St. Paul bracket. Um, This is one that I've gone to several times. It's never left me disappointed. Uh, Sadly, and definitely understandably, the tap room is not currently open, so I wasn't able to sample anything to give you a wider spectrum, but again... With how many times I've gone and how consistent they are in putting out good beers, I really didn't need that to come in confidently to this conversation. Um, so today what I'm drinking is a double IPA from them. Uh, it's called Shredder McGavin. Great artwork there. And uh, it's actually a playoff of uh, probably my favorite beer from them historically being a Shooter McGavin, which will uh, be talked about a little bit more coming up here. But really cool brewery, great taproom space, in walking distance of CHS Field for anyone that watches Saints minor league baseball, or uh, you know, a lot of just great bars and restaurants out in the area too. So it's certainly not just a one-stop thing if you want to go out there and make a day of it. Um, but they also have, uh, kind of like we talked about recently with Modest, uh, this is definitely another brewery that steps up and makes a push in the community. Uh, they have their Barrel Three build together which is just a way of them bringing in different volunteers looking to help in the community, raise money, you know, make friends, and just enjoy some of their good beer. But I mean, they have activities going together that can range anything from just cleaning up a park to hosting an event in the tap room to raise money for specific causes. You know, if you go to their website, BarrelTheory.com, you can actually see all the past ones that they've supported. And I'm sure once things return to being a little bit more normal, they'll jump in a lot more again. Um, but, uh, as far as the beer is concerned, their IPAs and sours are definitely what they are known for. Uh, again, this one I'm having right now is fantastic, a double IPA with Citra and galaxy hops. It's really kind of a combination between juicy and hazy for an IPA, which like, if you can find that right balance, that's right in my wheelhouse. Um, but the biggest thing here with, uh, barrel theory for me is they're just next world, naming conventions for their beers. So I actually sat down and went through all of their beers historically. I love for, it. Um, what they've created and it listed on untapped. And I've got the, the power rankings for their top 10 beer names starting at 10. And coming in at number 10 is Sundays are for red.
1: Um,
3: <laughs> anyone that's maybe not familiar with arguably one of the greatest golfers of all time, Tiger Woods, uh, it's definitely a, a tip of the cap to him. Um, Coming in at number nine is Swipe Right. Again, just great current topical humor. Um, A lot of these from here on out, except for one, are going to be movie and TV show references. If you don't know any of these, you probably need to watch more good TVs and movies, but um, we'll see. Um, So number eight, Patches O'Houlihan.
1: If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball.
3: What? (laughs) Oh, you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball
2: from honestly um, one of the best comedies of the early 2000s
3: oh so underrated um yeah number seven assistant regional manager now i gotta say the next move for them has to be to make a a slightly improved version that they call assistant to the regional manager <laughs>
2: which is which is your role here on the soda pod actually <laughs>
3: I wear it with pride, man.
2: (laughs) Quick shout out to those joining the live stream. Devin, Michael Snow, Jordy Cunningham, and my Uncle Jack. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for joining us here.
3: Yep. Number six. There are actually a couple from this movie, but the one that edged out the others was Blue Steel. (laughs) Um, Number five. This is the last one that is not from a movie or a TV show, but this just rings home to me so close. Pullover Starter Jacket. Oh, Anyone That's who awesome. didn't have those growing up, I, I actually admittedly have a couple right now still, but uh, oh, just a great throwback. Um, and then we've got it four. This was a tough one. I wanted to put it higher, but with the other options still here, number four is Lil Sebastian. That one's good too. Yep. But rounding out the final three, these to me are just unmatched. Um, three is stop looking at me, Swan.
1: Stop looking at me, Swan.
3: <laughs> I told that one to my wife and she just started laughing. <laughs> I'm fucking
2: dying, dude. These are I'm posting them on Twitter. And- so you have like 89% of my attention right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and she even had the idea that they need to come out with two other beers, one that's shampoo and one that's conditioner to go along with oh, that. Yeah,
2: yes, so 100%. Kudos to
3: her on that one. And then number two... Dorothy Mantooth, who is in fact a saint. And then number one for me, I, I posted it a couple weeks ago. If people saw it, make the rounds. But just the greatest name to me, which again, was the start for Shredder McGavin, was Shooter McGavin. Oh, love it. Greatest beer that I've ever seen.
1: Damn you people, this is golf!
3: But I don't know, what, what are your thoughts, Isha? Out of all those, did I, did I miss the mark on any of them? Should some be ranked higher or lower? Just because of like, and this is just
2: bias, um, but I will say that I, w- I would like to put pa- <laughs> patches of Houlihan and maybe Blue Steel <laughs> a little higher up um sure. i i do love the stop looking at me swan now one now one deserves to be in the top three for sure but i'd maybe bump up you know number eight and, and number six maybe a couple spots maybe a couple spots but other than that like i think i think these are awesome i just posted on twitter i wrote the uh the podcast power rankings uh, barrel theory top 10 beer names and I, I just listed them with four characters to spare my friend how how oh, are you beautiful <laughs> dude that's awesome um quickly before uh because we're we're, we're right we're right on schedule actually right now before we bring on uh zeke from the wilderness uh sb nation wild blog i quickly want to talk about the beer that, that i'm drinking obviously um on my stream you're not gonna be able to see it very clearly but i will post a picture after uh again yellow dog just impressing me with their branding uh this one And I have to admit, I'm not a sour fan when it comes to beers. I'm very traditional. Um, But this one's awesome. It's it's a bunch of hats, and it's called the Hat Trick, a juniper and lemon sour. And what caught my eye quickly was, well, the Canucks – Colors on one of the hats and the Canucks Autism Network um, logo on that hat. So I checked out the beer and I was like, "Oh, it's a sour. I don't know. I don't know if I I, I would necessarily like this." Um, but but after kind of reading what was on the can, saying that actually a proceeds to some of the proceeds from from every purchase of this beer go to the the Canucks Autism Network. Um, the the Canucks is they're gonna be a point of conversation throughout this entire show. So I thought it just kind of it, You know, I got to support the network. I got to not only present a new beer with an awesome logo, but it was also topical and well worked right in to all the topics that we're going to be uh, well running down on today's soda pod. I don't know how well you can see see it here on the stream again. I'll post a picture at vi sports talk on Twitter. And I have to say, like, it's not that bad. If anything, that's not even the right way to say it. It's actually pretty good. Like, I don't know if I could drink a six pack of sours. All right. Same, same things. Like, I don't know if I could drink a six pack of, uh, of, of chocolate porters, but I can appreciate it for what it is. Um, it's got a, it's pretty thick, I guess. And it's got more of like a a darker tone, um, but very light and not too sour. And that's the thing. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want any warhead style sensation as I drink my beer here. All right. That, that shit can stay in the nineties. So, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I dig it. And you know, yellow dog, you do great stuff. So cheers to you. Oh man. All right. Um, you can follow myself. Like I said, on Twitter at V I sports talk. You can follow the soda pod at the soda pod. Um, feel free to follow the hockey podcast network too. If you're tuning in on Facebook live, obviously you're following us here at hockey That that's our same social media handle for all of our, all of our social media. Um, you, can, you can go to Instagram, Twitter. We're most active on Twitter right now, but we are optimizing our Instagram and Facebook moving forward. Um, state of Hoppy, where can they find you?
3: Yep. You can find me at state of Hoppy on both Twitter and Instagram.
2: Nice. Nice. Um, we're just about to, uh, to bring on Zeke here. Um, the best thing you or sorry, folks, I'm just a mid mid typing to our, to our buddy here who's about to join us, but the best thing you can do for us, uh, today is rate and review the network and the shows you like, even if the review is ridiculous, it helps us stay on top of the sports charts instead of hoppy. You had something to add here.
3: Yeah. I mean, just in honor of what we've got here with the uh, beer power rankings for barrel theory, you know, if you want to go on, rate us, give us five stars, subscribe, uh, for your review, you can throw in the coolest, funniest, most outrageous beer name that you've come across.
2: I'm trying to think right off the top of my head. Uh, what are some of the craziest? I mean, the pandemonium one was pretty, it was pretty awesome. I, I don't know if it was weird more as like, it was a pun. Um, I liked
3: the can a lot more than I liked the name. Like the name goes really well with the design, but without the design, it's probably not that crazy of a name.
2: True. Um, you know the I mean? ele- the, yeah, And it's like the same with, with a few of them, like the Electric Unicorn. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty funky name. Um, I got a list of some of my favorite Phillips right in front of me too. So I'm just uh, going through them. The Tiger Shark. But again, it all goes with the artwork, um, which, uh, which I will continue to, like, I'm a huge Phillips Brewery fan, so I'm going to continue to, to post their artwork um, and and pictures of their beer moving forward. Um, we're uh, we're gonna move on to some wild talk here. When Zeke's ready to jump on, we'll, we'll bring him on. But uh, we're gonna get into the next segment, folks. And uh, we're, we're first gonna start with our poll question. Reminder: We have a poll question every week at the Soda Pod. Uh, write writings are encouraged. Um, like we ran down in the well, the Hoppy Hour portion of the podcast. We have one podcast. That or sorry, One podcast. We have one poll question from the podcast on Twitter that uh, is beer related and we have one that's hockey related. This week we kept it very much Minnesota Wild related as, uh, as well. Let's, uh, let's jump right into it, State of Hoppy. Who is uh, who's the Wild's most overrated player? Now, we only have four slots, right? We only have four slots, so we, we really wanted to encourage write-ins, and we got some pretty good feedback on this one. Uh, State of Hoppy, uh, the picks we put forth on the poll question were Ryan Suter, uh, Marion Gabrick, Nicholas Backstrom, and and Matt Dumba. Um, who did you vote for, and uh, and what what are your thoughts?
3: I mean, my vote is not Ryan Suter. That kind of bummed me out a little bit, but we'll get into that more. If I have to vote amongst all of these, and this is more from the perspective of wild fans than it is from the overall you know perspective, I guess, it would be Matt Dumba for me, just seeing you know obviously him and Brodeen have been thrown into a lot of trade talks, and seeing what people expect to get back for Dumba in the first round pick has kind of been baffling for me. So I don't know if that's them not understanding how trades work or if it's them thinking that because he is you know, high upside right handed defenseman he 's just worth more i 'm not sure where that comes from, but that 's kind of the angle I took with it
2: yeah no i mean fair enough i 'm just getting the results up in front of me uh right now, obviously, you know that my vote was a little bit of a, a controversial <laughs> one but uh I, I did I did like the, the the feedback because it honestly a lot it was more tight than i than I originally thought it was going to be i 'll say that much. I thought maybe. I honestly thought Dumba might run away with it. To be perfectly honest, um, that that's kind of where where I thought it was either going to be tight or that um, or that Dumba was going to run away with it. Thirty percent Ryan Suter, nineteen percent Marion Gabrick, twenty seven percent Matthew Dumba, and twenty two percent Nicholas Backstrom. So I'm not surprised that Marion Gabrick, um, you know, w- was the was the least voted for pick on this poll. However, I am a little bit surprised that the Wild actually there were wild fans who actually picked him and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be the controversial one i was one of those now do i think he's an overrated player hockey player no but overrated within the wild market maybe now i don't want to take anything away from his 30 his uh his 40 goal seasons he was a goal scorer but i don't think Marion gabrick was was like he was a good hockey player outside of goal scoring but i wouldn't say he was like an excellent hockey player outside of what he did best in score goals i mean Uh, I I don't know if this is a good example or not, because he may be on a next level. But when you think Phil Kessel, you don't think Phil Kessel, the all-around hockey player and playmaker who can also score goals. You think Phil Kessel, the goal scorer. That's kind of the comparison I see with Marion Gabbrook in this market. Was he the best goal scorer that the Wild have ever had? Yes. And that's why I think that the Wild love him. But I think that up, up against Ryan Suter, who's one of the best defenseman in the national hockey league up against Matthew Dumba, who we really just haven't seen enough yet to give him that title and Nicholas Backstrom. I mean, he's, he was going to be my second pick. Cause again, a great goaltender, but what, he was, he was one of the best goaltenders for the Minnesota wild, not necessarily a great goaltender league wide for a long time. Um, anyways, th- those are my thoughts on, on the pick. I thought I'd go a little bit uh, off the board here by choosing Marion Gabrick.
3: No, and I get where you're coming from for sure. And I think the, the Backstrom one too was kind of, you know, misrepresented too, just because of how down everyone is on the current goaltending situation. So people are probably like, bring him back, please. But um, no, the Ryan Suter thing is what really bummed me out with just, again, it's the contract that everyone's looking at. And in my eyes, he's living up to it and he's going to play out through the end of that contract. I mean, the guy doesn't stand out a ton. Like he's not going to be that stud power play quarterback. He's not John Carlson. You know, he's not Eric Carlson for that. He's a guy that's going to go out there and he's going to do his job on both ends of the ice. You're not going to notice him. And that's kind of what you want in your top shutdown guy like that. He was Um,
2: second in scoring on this team this year with 48 points in 69 games. Now I know the wild (laughs) are a depth team, but come on, right? He's not a point getter yet throughout his career. He's a 30 to 40 point guy. You know, this was a career year for him and it was only in 69 games. How the hell is this guy not considered one of, the best go- or one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League? When he was in Nashville alongside Shea Weber, you know, there was an argument for it. What has changed since he got to Minnesota? That's what I don't understand.
3: No, and, and the one that I'll kind of throw before we move on as another controversial one if we wanted to inject it, you know, you look at what he's done since leaving the Wild and the guy's all world, but when he was with the Wild, Brent Burns was a, great defenseman I don't know if he does what he's done this far in the league if he stays here
2: no that that's a good point point. and uh right now we're actually we're gonna bring Zeke Boyat I hope I got your last name right buddy <laughs> here on the soda pod Zeke do we have you on oh we're just connecting with Zeke right now before we get into some wild talk here I want to just quickly ask Zeke's uh perspective on the poll question since you and I ran it down here and uh, maybe we'll get to a few comments uh how's it going zeke thanks for joining the soda pod here
0: um it's good yeah thanks for having me
2: no problem buddy uh before we get into some wild topics here which we wanted to uh include Mm -hmm. you in um i quickly just want to get your opinion on our poll question this week i don't know if you had a chance to to check it out on twitter at the soda pod but we were asking everyone uh who is the minnesota wild's most overrated player simple, right? Ryan Suter, Marion Gabrick, Matthew Dumba, and Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, Who did you pick and what would be your pick and why, sir?
0: Um, Well, I mean, I think, to be honest, for out of all those four players, I don't know if I'd pick either one of those, but if I had to, I think as of right now, have to go Matt Dunbar, because to be honest, he had the two good years a couple years ago, uh, 50-point season, really good. He got that big contract extension. And then he obviously in 2018-2019 had that hot start. He's on pace for, you know, 30-something goals. And so, but then, you know, obviously his big injury the last year has played a big part. And I don't know. I just think a lot of Wild fans especially, maybe he's he's a valuable player and he still has that potentially very good. I think some – Wild fans, they overestimate or overvalue him because of partially because of past experience with uh, Brent Burns, who was kind of a similar, similar age, similar type of player, you know, offensive defenseman, big hits, physical, you know, stuff like that. And they traded him away kind of right as he was getting to his own. And, and, you know, I think, I feel like maybe some Wild fans feel, you know, if they trade him, that exact same thing's going to happen again. But I, I don't know. I just, I mean, I like him. I mean, his personality his this energy, the way he plays, it's all great. But I just don't know if he's really as good. I, I just don't think he's as good as we saw him the last in 2018-2019.
2: Fair enough. I will I will battle back a little bit and say that I think the injury played so much more than we think, and not necessarily because of like the injury itself, but it was because he didn't have enough yeah. time to rehab and then train for this season. Yeah. So the book is kind of still out. He needs one more season, I think, for us to really be like, okay. What is this player now that he goes into his mid-20s? Uh, quickly, some of the comments we got on Twitter before we move on. Um, State of Hockey, our boy Josh, uh, he commented saying, I think Dumba is only overrated solely because it's potentially, uh, because it was potentially a breakout season got cut short, then hyped him up Per usual this year, and he struggled coming back from a gruesome injury. If he doesn't take off by next year, he may easily be the most overrated player. So pretty much echoing exactly what I said there. Um, Please just sign Kaprizov already, at Kaprizov Club. That's club with a K. Says uh, Devin Dubnik. uh, Was good, but generally overrated because of the defense in front of him, and now he's just fallen off a cliff. Even at his peak, he didn't deserve Vesna consideration. Interesting take there. I don't necessarily want to blow the doors open on Devin Dubnik right now. That's a conversation for another day. What I, what I do want to do right now is move forward with some Minnesota Wild Talk this weekend and properly introduce uh, Zeke Boyat. your writer for uh, SB Nation's Hockey Wilderness. Uh, thanks for joining the show, man, and uh, talking some wild with us.
0: Yeah, no problem. Though. Thanks for having me on.
2: No problem. All right. Uh, State of hockey, Zeke, let's talk right away about uh, just just a little bit about creoel Kaprizov. I don't want to exhaust this because we well shit, state of hobby we had a whole extra podcast devoted <laughs> primarily to talking about Kurel Kaprizov and some of the uh, well the news that came out right after we recorded episode 66 of the soda pod but uh, but a little bit of update and I'll have both you guys chime in um, basically with the new CBA he's not going to be able to play this coming up qualifying uh, round and playoffs at the wild defeat the Vancouver Canucks but he can sign he has a small window to sign with the Minnesota Wild that would burn a year of his entry level deal. Obviously, wouldn't be allowed to join this year, and um, you know, w- perhaps he's loaned out under contract to CSKA, but seemingly they won't return him until next season. Um, what are both your guys' thoughts on this? And is there anything I missed?
0: Um. Well, I guess for me, I selfishly just want to see him under contract finally after you know years of waiting but I mean, I also, I understand the concern of, you know, you're burning a year of a contract for no reason when normally you'd be getting an extra year of a cheap, like $900,000 cap hit uh, on this, on his entry level deal. But but like I said, I just want to see him under contract and, you know, I understand right now, basically like kind of you just talked about is it's kind of up to him whether he wants to sign now. And uh, I think that starts next Monday is that window you just mentioned, I believe. So I'm a, you know, I, I personally hope they can figure out to get him signed, get him over here for to come to training camp, at least get a little familiar with this surroundings, practice city and all that. And then, um, uh, you know, and then if they if he absolutely doesn't want to sit and not play for months, you know, maybe they can try to figure out to loan him to team in sweet in like Sweden or Finland, Switzerland or whatever, because, you know, I mean, he could go back to the KHL, but I don't personally, I don't know how much of a big fan of that I am of that. And. I don't think the Wild would uh, prefer that option either.
3: State of Hobby, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely agree with that last point that Zeke made, that if he's willing to go to Europe, that's best-case scenario because oh, yeah.
2: Liga or SHL, 100%. there's always going to be an out
3: clause there. But for me, it's just something that, again, we've seen everyone waiting for the Kaprizov signing, and it's just something where – you know, this news didn't really make it more exciting for us. Like everyone thought that this was the signing that he was going to definitely come over now because we can sign him early. And it's still a matter that is he willing to not play until whenever that next season starts. But good news that I actually saw that I do think is a big step in the right direction. It sounds like they're hoping for December 1st to be the start of the next NHL season calendar. If that's the case and if everything goes according to plan, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Why so. would
2: he, why would he go over just for a month and a half of no hockey pretty much? Yeah. I mean, cause training camp, I think they said that the Stanley cup finals, they want to end early October. And then, yeah, you have like a two month buffer, less than two months to prepare for the season. Shit, man. One month is pretty much training camp. Anyways, if you're coming over as a, as a, I know he's not a young prospect anymore, but if you're coming over as a young player to a new team, you come over early anyways. Right. Right. For the most part that's what we see in the national hockey League so if th- if this is the case if they're not if there's not any more speed bumps, which hey with the world we live in right now there there most definitely could be more speed bumps, especially in regards to covid nineteen and how it's being handled in North America, but with now the hub cities being you know in Canada, you can see that the NHL is taking proactive steps to, well, do everything right playoff-wise. I have to imagine that they'll take proactive steps to do everything right uh, come this next season. So I, I, I think that, yeah, as a fan and as, well, putting myself in his shoes, why would you commit a whole season somewhere else when you can get under contract with the Wild, get just the ball rolling and get kind of the plan, I don't know, as similar as it was going to be without all this bullshit? Moving right along, though, and kind of the complete opposite in regards to having an out clause, because obviously the KHL doesn't have NHL out clauses, and sure, players and, and franchises like can work out deals with the KHL and certain franchises if there's wiggle room. CSK Moscow is not as liberal as the likes of, Vol well, Akbar's Kazan, for example, who, uh, well, with Alexander Kovanov, um, we heard this week, is going to be signing a deal over in the KHL as well, but the Minnesota Wild had been working with Kazan to actually work out a deal, deal where when the AHL season and NHL season resumes, he will have an out clause and be able to come back and either join um, those clubs, which I think is is unbelievable. And again, total opposite of the Kirill Kaprizov situation. But I know you've been plugged in a little bit more than I have, Zeke, in regards to Kovanov this season. Um, is this like the best case scenario for this young prospect who obviously is too good for the QMJHL and with the uncertainty of what's going on in the AHL, I mean, can go play with men overseas? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think for him personally, this is probably the best uh, best case scenario, because there were some, I don't know, some sort of interviews or whatever, um, out of Russia earlier in the year that he essentially said that this coming year, if he wasn't in the NHL, he was going to go uh, off to the KHL again, and he didn't really have much interest, spending much time in the AHL, so, you know, I mean, I think if he would have had to, he would have gone down to Iowa, I'll be honest, but this is obviously better for him, not one, now he's not- going to have to sit around for who knows how long or when or if the season is going to start for either the AHL or NHL I mean you know we don't know the KHL either but you know they, they're planning to start summer first so if you can get that time to develop to play for those three four or five months in a pro, second best pro league in the world um, I don't think it's a bad thing and you know especially since the one-year deal you know if he plays a little season there comes over you know the NHL. AHL season could be halfway or a little overdone so we could get even more hockey and after that of uh, valuable development time so you know I I agree at first you know people were kind of the kind of reaction I was seeing was kind of eh, just because it was kind of mad you know not people were kind of you know, freaked out a little bit about that. Well, because, because of Kaprizov,
2: I imagine. They're like, we don't want to see Kaprizov 2.0 here, but this kid's like, he's 20 years yeah. old, right? He's he's four years younger than Kaprizov and he still has he still has a lot of time to develop. State, state of Hoppy, would you, like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is this best case scenario? And do you think, to add to that, so that you just don't repeat everything Zeke says, if you agree, do you think that this player is, is the real deal as far as a prospect? Because a lot of people light up the queue, I'm just saying.
3: I think he absolutely could be. I think the biggest thing that hasn't been hit on is that you don't want to rush him in either. You know, we don't know when the AHL is coming back, even if the NHL starts according to plan in December. You know, I'd rather him be in the KHL playing a prominent role rather than coming either to an AHL team that's actually pretty deep, too, or coming to the NHL team and just being another Benoit Pouliot, you know, being another Ryan Donato, who you know should be playing – whether it's top six or middle six minutes, like that's just not right for their development. So I'd rather him be over there getting top minutes, playing in a prominent role.
2: Yeah. And I don't have the team up in front of me, but I know that Akbar's Kazan is not, it's not as big of a franchise. You know, CSK Moscow is kind of like the Toronto, like like the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens of the KHL, right? Whereas, you know, Akbar's Kazan, I believe is in the Northern part of Russia. Like it's a little further away um, it 's one of the, the the i guess one of the longer travel um, destinations in regards to the KHL as well and from what i 've you know looked up and, and heard about this uh, this organization is that they do a great job with development, and a mm-hmm. lot of the the players who are homegrown here like, they, they stay true to, um, to, to the franchise. And also are, you know, just are developed. Well, a lot of the the scouts, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the developmental staff, they've been with the club for a very, very long time, which is very positive to see as well.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it over in Russia. I've noticed this except for the rare exception. The only, I guess the only minor concern is that they tend to not uh, give the younger players as big of a role or opportunity on their teams. Although again, in this case, it, he's better than playing. And, uh, on his team in Akbars that he's going to be playing for. Uh, they actually did uh, beat the CSK and the KHL finals, I think two years ago. So, I mean, they're not huge. In, they're not uh, run, you know, owned by essentially the government over there. They're not, you know, flush with enough money to pretty much get whoever they want, but they're a good team. And as you said, a good system and good alternative for him to develop in, in this crazy situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any closing thoughts there, Steve Hoppy, before we move on? I'm going to quickly just get up their roster and just see if they have any notable players.
3: No, and I, I think we've hit on it from every angle. It's good that he's going. We'll see what happens. And, you know, whether it's the AHL coming back or whether it's him just reaching his peak over there, bring him back when it makes sense. But whether that's a year or three years, who knows?
2: One thing I do want to say is, have you guys seen the logo for, <laughs> for Kazan? No. It looks like, honestly, like... Uh, an '80s uh, cereal box, not throw '70s like cereal box logo, man. It looks like like a ten year old drew the fucking thing.
3: <laughs> oh no, I'm looking it up.
2: All right, I'm looking through the roster right now, and there's um, uh, Matt Fratton, 31 years old. Uh, he played. I'm pretty sure he played in the show. Um, yeah, yeah, he played in the show for a bit. He, he's on that team. He 28 points last year, so they're they're a pretty decent team, but they don't have anyone lighting it up. So I think this. Key, I think he actually will get. Uh, we Will get some time, guys, because the leading scorer on Kazan last year, thirty-seven points in fifty-seven games. The leading goal scorer only had sixteen. So this kid may just be thrust into the lineup and be like, "Listen, we don't have you all season, anyways. Let's see what you got." Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's promising, one hundred percent. All right, yeah. moving right along here because there's so much more wild news to get to, um, and uh, we do have, we are going to bring on uh, Neil Villa Piano in about twenty minutes or so. So. Do you want to get to that? But um, Judd Brackett has been hired as director of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Wild. He was relieved of his duties with the Vancouver Canucks a few weeks back. And, uh, well, as someone who resides in the Vancouver Canucks market, I can tell you that fans were not happy about him being let go. There were some power dynamics in regards to general manager Jim Benning not giving up or not relinquishing full control of amateur scouting in the draft to Judd Brackett. Judd Brackett has, you know, worked his way up and earned, earned, has earned his due, uh, to run his own scouting division. If not, you know, down the road to become a general manager or at least an assistant in the next step. And, uh, he wasn't going to have that opportunity in Vancouver. Um, Billy Guerin, like he's, he's really, you know, pulling the punches now and building up his, uh, his front office, obviously coming in last year, late in the summer, he wasn't able to just tear it all down or, you know, continue to fill in spots when he just had to kind of get his feet wet deal with, you know, the Spurgeon contract, you know, bringing Fial over, et cetera. Um, I think this is an outstanding signing for the Minnesota wild. I don't know if you two have much to comment on it. Obviously I'm a little bit more plugged in into what went on with Judd Brack with the Vancouver Canucks, but I will say this, he was the leading scout who really had a lot of influence in drafting Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, which the Minnesota Wild obviously infamously uh, passed on, and Quinn Hughes. So, um, I mean, the floor is yours, guys. What do you think, just on the outside anyways, about this signing?
0: Well, I mean, as you said, I'm not all too familiar with him, aside from, you know, on Twitter and over all sorts of sites of uh, Canucks fans not being particularly happy with the whole situation involving him. But, I mean, hey, it seems seems like he is a, a... pretty good at his job and you know considering the wild have historically i mean they have some they have some good picks in there but historically they have never really they were i don't know aside from potentially stuff, they never really found you know they're not great at finding late round kind of steals or you know guys that you can fill in the lineup with those picks so you know i think it's considering where this team is at with their uh, salary cap i think it's very important that they uh improve their drafting and i think he can help that
3: yeah, I mean, so. yeah, and, and I'd add to that, I mean, pretty brief, but if there's a reason that the Canucks are a borderline playoff team before we have the whole play in incident, you know, it's not because of their drafting, it's because of what the GM is doing in the offseason. So, mm-hmm. this is the guy that I definitely want from that organization, especially pairing him with someone like Billy Guerin, where he showed in Pittsburgh that, yeah, he's got an okay eye for talent, but what he really is good at is utilizing that and getting the best out of the players in the development process. You, know, you look at some of the guys that Pittsburgh has brought in in the off season from the NCAA that have all risen up and been pretty solid contributors, you know, again, bottom six, but that's what Pittsburgh needs. I think Garen's going to stretch that even further, especially with an addition like this, where he's going to be able to, again, bring in the right guys and then have an even better track to developing them and getting them into the program.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with all, I'm like, I'm just giddy right now because uh, don't, don't get me wrong. When he was let go of Vancouver, I wasn't one of these crazy Vancouver Canucks Twitter fans or Twitter users rather who just wanted to riot in the streets again. No, no, that, that's not what this is about. I, I, I wasn't, you know, particularly angry. I was just kind of like, well, it it sucks, but that's business, right? This guy, you know, Jim Benning has a background in scouting. He likes to have, well, he, he likes to dig into the draft and give his opinion and um, And he was not going to give up full autonomy That's that is what it is i 'm neither here nor there on that. Judd Brackett he wants full autonomy, and he deservingly so has earned the right to have full autonomy and run the, the, the and be like a, the, the director run the amateur scouting um, The Minnesota wild obviously they have some great amateur scouts. I believe paul fenton 's son was actually still working uh, and still is working if i 'm not mistaken with yep. the Minnesota Wild. Um, organization and there was a lot of praise towards his work this is just going to get better with Judd Brackett now being you know the overseer and being able to to uh, prescribe just you know wisdom and 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 other resources to to a great uh, well already great staff here in Minnesota because like you said Zeke historically the Minnesota Wild haven't been the best at drafting however I I would argue in the last five or six drafts anyways they've, they've started to do a very very good job again not finding that late uh, that late round like superstar knock on wood, actually i hope it 's caprazov, but you know what i mean they 've been consistent they 've been able to yeah. s- continually in, um, you know bring in young players into the lineup i mean look at this year you got you got Greenway cunning and uh uh, and Erickson at Kouval, you know, taking the next steps and uh, our pillar pieces going into the, the qualifying round. Uh, one more just piece of news that we can quickly talk on before I give you, Zeke, just the open block to pump uh, some of your work on wilderness before we continue here and let you go. Um, the, the National Hockey League and the Minnesota Wild are donating a combined $100,000 to, uh, to, well, to Matt Dumba's and JT Brown's initiative um, to, uh, well, to help rebuild Minnesota. Um, I'm just going to read off a little bit from the NHL uh, statement here uh, that was on NHL.com slash the wild. Um, so today the national hockey league in Minnesota wild announced that they are donating five uh, $50,000 each to the cause uh, Dumba was uh, was was quoted saying that he was extremely extremely happy and proud of the organization for this, and and Craig Leopold echoed that, saying that he was extremely proud of Matt's efforts in rebuilding the community. His passion and commitment to providing a voice and resources to people in need is remarkable, and we are grateful for the positive impact he makes uh, in the state of hockey and beyond. And beyond. Now, you two obviously are in the state of hockey. You you are in Minnesota, so you two have a you know. You two were on the ground when, when all this went down, when the riots uh, occurred a few weeks back. So you guys are, are, are well, more, more qualified to speak on the matter than I am. I mean, what, what does this news mean to you guys and how is the, you know, the city rebuilding?
0: Well, I mean, I think first of all, uh, with this whole, um, his whole initiative, I think it just shows the kind of person that uh, Matt is. He's always been very charitable with his time in the community um, he's done, I can't come up with a and name, but he's done several other things before. So I'm a, that's great. But more on a specific topic, you know, I mean, let's ask what kind of happened last month or whatever. I mean, these, to be fair, these have been issues for a long time. And unfortunately, they've just not gotten, you know, addressed really legitimately by everyone. And, you know, while, I mean, it's just all, it's all it's all terrible. But I mean, you know, I, I think it's great. And I just, it's kind of cool to see, you know, that your athletes on the te- your teams, you know, start to step up and, you know, legitimately do something and genuinely care to put an effort into helping make the community a better place for
3: everyone.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. And on top of that too, like, it's awesome that someone with Dumba's clout jumped in and piled on this, you know, obviously they've got the alliance that they started uh, parallel to the league, but. J.T. Brown has been banging this drum for a long time. He's a local Minnesotan. He's been fighting for this – I don't even know how long it's been. You can go back to Tampa when, you know, he stood in solidarity on the bench and people Mm kind of gave him a hard time. This is something that's good, especially being that all of this was generated in the Twin Cities. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's great that the NHL and the Wild are behind it and supporting it from what we can see that you know, we can just only hope that it builds from there yeah and it's it's
2: amazing to see and again like I, I i can only comment on it so much from what I've seen on the outside you guys you know being in the state I'm sure that it uh it hits a lot more close to home quite literally for you guys all right Zeke we're out of time here um but I wanted to quickly like within you know thirty seconds or a minute here uh open block for you to pump any of your work that you're either working on or that recently released on a uh, well, Hockey Wilderness, SB Nation's Wild blog.
0: Yeah, so on the last few weeks and, the last, uh, and for a couple more days here, we've been doing 2019-2020 uh, regular season play reviews. So um, uh, they're all there. You can check them out. And I recently did mine on Carson Soucy, uh, uh, Wild's best rookie and best newcomer of the year. So make sure to check that out. And uh, we'll have more of that coming up and all sorts of uh, game coverage for the playoffs. And all in, well, I'm sure we'll come up with new stuff, but uh, make sure to check those uh, play reviews out.
2: Awesome. Well, again, man, thanks for joining us. We're, we're going to let you go here as uh, we got to move right along and we're bringing on Neil uh, Villapiano uh, momentarily. But again, you do, he does outstanding work folks. Give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already at ZB wild nation underscore HW um, I'll share again his Twitter account before the end of the show and give him a retweet as well. But, but again, Zeke, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope to have you on again soon, buddy.
0: Yeah. Thanks guys.
3: Thanks for coming on, bud.
2: We're gonna take a quick break. On the other side, Jesse Pierce from the Athletic.
3: You're a slob. Like shut your whore mouth.
0: (laughs) That's it. Yeah, like the 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 phrase "pigeon toss." Like I find that hilarious. (laughs) Like (laughs) as if you were to toss a pigeon.
1: Like the fuck is a pigeon
3: toss?
0: No, like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way. Like. Don't forget to catch. Stick in rank the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area every
2: monday on the stick in rink podcast feed wherever you get your podcast from or on the hockey podcast network every team everywhere
0: you know how fucked i am in the head when you said pidget toss the first thing i thought of was midget toss we're back
2: all right again everyone that was uh, zeke boyat of uh, of sp nation's hockey wilderness as we, uh, as we move right along here, State of Hoppy, we're going to jump in to, well, our guest segment, which we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be uh, <laughs> posting it here live on Facebook and, and YouTube if you're joining us right now. You got to wait a couple more days. It'll be on Monday's podcast, um, but we're really excited to bring on again, friend of the show, uh, athletic writer, Jesse Pierce. I just want to throw out a quick disclaimer, folks. Um, We did record this interview and, well, podcast rather, uh, last Thursday. Obviously, a lot has transpired since that date. And funny enough, a lot of the topics that we got into have either been covered in the media or a lot of topics such as the coaching topic and Kirill Kaprizov. Well, we have had an update on that since, as you all know. So just quickly wanted to throw that out there as we did have this conversation last week, and a lot has changed since then. Uh, still worth, uh, you know, an entire listen. Um, this interview was, was was amazing, and it's always so much fun catching up with Jesse. So I didn't edit much out at, at all, quite frankly, uh, but just wanted to throw that out there for you all. So enjoy. <laughs> All right, everybody. We have uh, a recurring guest. Uh, I believe she holds the medal for the most appearances as a guest here on the Soda Pod thus far. It's a pleasure to feature you again, Jesse. Uh, Jesse Pierce is a writer, editor for Touchpoint Media, NHL.com, and is a writer for the Athletic Minnesota, where most of you are familiar with her work. And like I said, friend of the show, Jesse Pierce. <laughs> How are you this evening?
4: I mean, it's just evident. I say no to nobody, right? Like I'm always there <laughs> like, sure. Let's go. Let's talk hockey. Let's talk beer. I mean, that's kind of right my alley. I, uh, I love it. No, thank you guys for, for having me on, even though I should have considered saying no, just because of the Vancouver wild series that is pending, but I didn't cause I figured I'd come represent the wild contingency a little bit.
2: Well, we are glad you did so. And like I said, it's an absolute pleasure. Let's start with the most important topic here. Okay. Your park podcast bar down beauties, unbelievable growth since the last time we talked. I mean, what has been the most fun out of that experience and, and where can our listeners support you guys by, uh, well, by listening, watching video and buying your sweet ass merch, which I hope <laughs> my shirt's coming in the mail soon. I know shit's a little crazy coming into Canada these days. <laughs>
4: including people, right? Like can't just can't <laughs> get there. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Bard on views. It has, it's grown tremendously. I think since we last spoke, it started off. I mean, we always had hopes for, for growth and and to see it go. We knew we had the connections, but it's been really fun. We've had, we've been able to churn out episodes every single week, sometimes even some special episodes, just based on what was happening. Um, we had Bruce Boudreau on last week or well actually this week. Awesome, hilarious, love Bruce, miss Bruce. Um, hoping that he gets a job sometime soon, but yeah, it's been going really, really well. Our support continues to grow. We just finally reached a thousand downloads on our number one episode or our first ever episode, which was with Jamie Hirsch back in December. So it's getting there. Um, you spoke of the sweet shirts, sodastick.com is our presenting sponsor. So they've got some merchandise. Um, and then we also have a teespring for different types of things. We've got tank tops there. We've got, um, mugs and a whole bunch of different stuff that you want to get. So really, if you want to represent the Buttes, that's the way to do it. Just listen to us. You can hear us on all podcast streaming apps and YouTube. Our episodes release on Mondays as well. It's a good day for podcast releases. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm just very it's funny that people listen to me. I don't really understand why. Like it's just me spouting off my own own thoughts. Um, but it's pretty you're cool. Too pretty humble, real.
3: Jesse. You're way too I know. humble. <laughs> I, know. I was gonna so say I feel the same way about Isha keeping me on here, but uh <laughs> it's okay. We'll keep it yeah, going.
4: Exactly. right, exactly.
3: So I know you just put the kids down pretty recently. What yeah. if anything is the drink of choice tonight?
4: Oh, you know what? I I think I might have to do vodka. Normally, I would do beer, but I think uh, it's a vodka night. It's been a long week. It's been One a busy, busy weeks, week. Holy. Yeah, right? Like I'm like, Sounds Thursday, like I could have a nice, nice stiff drink. So I think that's going to be my choice.
3: Okay, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And so I, I did listen back to the podcasts where you were on previously with just Isha. I heard a couple of your thoughts on breweries, yeah. thought they were all great. Um, actually, I'm drinking right now something from Bad Weather because of your comments on the poll. Yes. I don't know if you've had it, but you absolutely need to try Immortal Toast if you haven't.
4: Ooh, it's no. so good.
3: It, I, it's a white stout.
4: Okay, I which, like that. Like
3: sounds weird, but it's basically got all the flavor, everything. It just yeah. doesn't have the dark malts to it. So well, Tell oh, her the sure.
2: backstory about right. it too, because there's an awesome story to that beer that State of uh yeah. enlightened me on.
3: One, well, it's, so it's the one of the co-owners it him and his father brewed together all the time this is a style they liked he passed away a couple years ago so the immortal toast is him toasting his dad
4: that's so cool i love yeah, that
3: so absolutely try that next time you go but so yeah. the ones that you mentioned were kind of pretty common breweries everyone knows bad weather if they go to the axe everyone knows yeah. surly if they live in minnesota Right. Do you have any hidden gems or any under the radar breweries that you might recommend for our listeners?
4: I mean, are you talking just in St. Paul or can we go outside of St. Paul? Oh, no, we're Minnesota. talking Minnesota. Okay. We're talking Minnesota. Um, it's the state of poppy. To- <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Um <laughs> and I forget it's Maple, what was it called? I just yes. went to it in Stillwater. Maple you- Island. Maple Island. I just went there for the first time the other night. Um we took the kids down to get some ice cream in Stillwater and it's a fairly newer brewery, I think. I don't think I'd seen it before the summer, um, but we had driven by it a couple times and I finally was like, you know what? Let's go. We're, we got the kids ice cream. Now it's time for mom and dad to have a drink. Um, <laughs> yep. And we got their, uh, their blueberry beer, which was super Whoa. good. Very refreshing. That you say that
3: you took them for ice cream because the last beer that I had there, which they've got really cool crawlers that have like a twist top on them, yeah. kind of like yeah. a like monster energy drink. Yep. But the beer that I had, it was like an ice cream beer.
4: Oh, funny. Yeah. I have to, yeah.
3: Highly recommend that too. But no, that's a great call for anyone that hasn't been there. Um, I know everyone talks about Liftbridge. If you're going out there for that. Right. I like Maple Island more than Lithbridge personally.
0: And
4: and Maple Island's right there. Like the location's right downtown Stillwater, which is perfect for those days that you want to go and walk around. And again, it has something for everybody because you have the candy shop right across the street and you've got the ice cream down the road and you get to kind of have the full experience. And they've got two food trucks I saw. They weren't open on the days that we were there, but it looks like they've got a really good taco food truck. I'm always big on the food trucks at my breweries too. Like I need to know what I'm eating while I'm drinking, um, that's very important. It's a veteran move. Old Jesse, young Jesse did not know that, uh, older Jesse has realized that. Um, but that's kind of one of my favorites. And then I live in white bear Lake. So big wood, obviously, I don't think that's quite a hidden gem anymore either. I think it's similar to lift bridge where everyone kind of knows about it, but I'm still a big fan. Like I love, I love going there again. It has kind of the great atmosphere of downtown white bear historic white bear. Um, but those are probably two of my favorites. And again, there's the convenience of they're kind of close and in my area and they're never overly packed either. So I would say those are my two top favorites right now. No, very good.
2: Um, as we shift gears into a little hockey talk here, getting off the the bruise train, um, I, I do want to ask you, Jesse, to chime in on our poll question. As there's a couple of days left on it, we we ran down kind of our thoughts on the podcast moments ago, but we asked uh, Wild fans and listeners to our show who, in their mind, is the most overrated Minnesota Wild player. Now we only had four options, obviously, on a Twitter poll, so we we took in write-ins as well, but. The four that we chose, and you know, some of them may be polarizing, were uh, Ryan Souter, Marion Gabrick, Matthew Dumba, and Nicholas Backstrom. Um, I actually voted for Gabrick. Funny enough, And I, I savage,
3: thought, you
4: guys. Good I, I lord! Mean, <laughs> I thought I made we a good. Be able to
2: get mad. <laughs> I thought I made a good case for it, but I, I want to get your opinion. And funny enough, it's been pretty, it's been pretty tight. I mean, Ryan Suter's leading with thirty percent, which I think is absolute asinine. Yeah, that just makes me so upset. Uh, Gabrick that's, at that's nineteen. Insane. Uh, Dumba at 27 and backstrom at 22. So it's a pretty even poll thus far, which is obviously what you want to see in a poll question, but I want to get an expert's point of view. Um, and if you have a write in perhaps, uh, I'd love to hear that as well.
4: Oh gosh. Ryan Suter's leading, huh? Well, sorry guys. You're stuck with them for another six years. So suck it up. like Top that's what <laughs> <about> that. <laughs> Yeah. He eats up the minutes. Um, you know what? I think from a regular st- standpoint, I could see where fans would say that about Suter, and I anything. It's just kind of, you know, what does he do, but he is he's consistent. He's exactly what you need in a defenseman. So I wouldn't go with him. Um, I understand the Gabrick one too, because that's kind of who I lean toward, but then again, they have not had a superstar like Marion Gabrick. Since Marion Gabrick, Kevin Fiala is showing glimpses of that. And that's super exciting, but there hasn't been anything since Gabby. So you can't really say that Ugh, I'd have to think of a write-in now because I wouldn't say Dumbo or Baxter either, because you can you hate on Nicholas back? So, come on, you guys Dumba. I think there's still more to his game. I think this season it's easy to say that he's overrated, but I think he was dealing with a lot. I think he just still mentally hadn't recovered from the injury. I think he was very nervous. Um, I think, you know, he just needed to get that monkey off his back a little bit and find his game again. I don't think he's overrated. Um, who do I think was overrated?
2: Well, see, it stumped you a bit. So it must be a good poll.
4: It did. I mean, it, it, cause I don't think. <laughs> I, my gut says Gabby just because of the injuries and everything that plagued him toward the end. I think that really was his downfall and it just, he kind of had this attitude where he didn't want to be here and us Minnesotans, if you don't want to be here, then good riddance, right? Like we love our hockey. We love it here. Um, I mean, I lean toward him, I think probably the most, uh, just because, but then again, my other head is like, well, no, he's, he was your only superstar here in Minnesota. Um, let me think about that and I will tweet it at you guys. Cause okay. I'm sure there are a couple Beautiful. that I can't think. Yeah. Like I'll think of somebody that's like, yeah, this guy was a little bit more overrated than, uh, than anyone else. And, and uh, let you guys know.
2: Cool. Cause it took us a while to nail down this list, but we figured like these four names are the most polarizing, you know, rather than, than, you know, digging into the vault a little bit, but no, I'm glad. Yeah. Chime in on our poll question after, uh, uh, or a little bit later here. Um, I do want to talk about just what it's like to, work in the media during these crazy times here. I mean, how hard has it been to stay busy hockey media wise, um, with, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic with the pause in the national hockey league, because honestly, Jesse, many have been let go from the athletic in particular as a result, for example, I mean, you, you seem to be keep, you know, plugging away your, you're working hard, which is awesome to see, but I mean, what, what is it, what has it been like?
4: I mean, I was lucky enough as far as the athletic goes. I'm just kind of a contributor. So I just back up Russo when he needs. So for me, it was never a full time gig anyway. Um I'm very unfortunate. A lot of my friends though that I got to know over the years, um, were let go in that that big layoff. So that was sad to see. But it's unfortunately been kind of a part of this whole mess, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, teams have been letting people go too. It's just it's a it's a tough situation because you can't argue well, they're not making money. So how do you pay employees when nobody has anything to do? Um, you know, I, uh, the podcast keeps me plenty busy, frankly, it was kind of nice. Cause I also, I welcome the break a little bit, you know, at that point in, in March, it was just nonstop go, 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 especially with the wild, getting rid of Bruce and making some trades and not staying quiet. I mean, it was, it was yeah, getting to be quite playoffs, a bit, yeah, yeah exactly. Um. You know, I do remember that day that it shut down, I was getting ready cause they were still planning to have morning skate. And I was like, okay, we're, we're really going to go through this. And I think I had just gotten in the car right before they had canceled and said, actually, no, we can't hold this. Uh, but they still hadn't announced that the game would be canceled. So I was like, okay, we'll just get ready for the game, I guess <laughs> tonight, or I'll go back to bed. Um, no, but I mean, I've just been, you know, keeping up with things, they're still holding zoom calls with the players periodically, which has been really nice. Um, whether it was checking in with them during quarantine or now that it's getting closer to training camp, supposedly opening on Monday, um, so it's just kind of finding different things. And again, spending time with the kids, they certainly keep you incredibly busy. They're kind of confused. My mommy's home a lot more than she normally <laughs> is. Um, but they get to know me now. I get to be like, Hey, I'm mom. What's up? Like every time I leave the house, it used to be like hockey. And I'm like, Nope, we're not going to hockey. Like we're staying home. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been a good, it's finding a better balance, I think, which is always kind of nice. Um, but I'm curious to see how that all changes in the coming weeks here.
3: I was going to say at that end, getting out on the boat as much as possible. I know you like to post about that all the time. <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I, I need to live on a lake, like officially live on a lake. I think that is just my if I'm having like a crap day. I'm like, give me a beer. <laughs> Let's go out on the water. Like, Oh my God, it's amazing. Like, and that's what we, again, that's what we live for in the summer here. Right? Like oh, yeah. we have to endure these terrible, terrible winters for so long. We might as well get out in the summer, enjoy the lakes when they're not frozen and, uh, have a good time.
3: Oh yeah. My parents are finally retiring and they're closing in a couple weeks on a place up North on 10 mile. And I, I oh, couldn't nice. be more excited.
4: Yeah. That'll be amazing. You're going to be like best friends with your parents again. Right? Like, Hey, what's going on? It's, it's <laughs> exactly. funny. Cause like, it's funny. Cause <laughs>
2: I'm the Canadian on this podcast. Yeah. I live in a place where like, we don't even see snow. So I go swimming pretty much uh, like nine months out of the year. <laughs> Rub it in. Rub it. even In the ocean,
4: I... no less. <laughs> yeah. That's God. cool perks of
2: living on an island a uh, state of hobby what yeah. do you got
3: <laughs> yeah well and jesse you already kind of hit on it obviously getting bruce boudreau is a huge grab uh, again if anyone hasn't listened yet follow Bardown beauties it was a great interview yeah um bruce obviously we know he's a guy that doesn't pull punches like he's a guy that will say what's on his mind for the most part yeah but i'm kind of curious for you lingering there like What's a question you would have asked him if you knew that he wouldn't be pissed and that he would give you an honest, candid answer.
4: Um, I'd like to ask him about his relationship with the players, because I think the players had a lot to do with him getting let go at the time that he did, I think they had kind of quit on him a little bit. Um, I think he tried, I just. I, and of course he was very reserved he was never going to bad mouth anybody. Um, yeah. but I, that's what I, between that and then Paul Fenton, I really just wanted to know what, uh, his yeah. relationship with Paul uh, was because we all, <laughs> I don't think it was good. Yeah. Was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, but I think those were the two things, not that I wanted him to trash the wild by any means, and I don't think he would, but it, it is curious because right. I think. I just want to know the real answer. Cause it, the, again, everybody goes back to it. Even Bruce said it, the timing is so bizarre. Like it's not surprising that yeah. he was like, go. Oh, I don't think he was going to go beyond the season, but it was just so out of, the, out of nowhere, you know? And it just kind of makes you wonder, like, I, I just get the sense that some guys finally went to Bill and said, Hey, he's got to go or, or whatever. Cause I know he, you know, he wasn't playing the veterans as much and he was trying yeah. to get the, young, which I think a good coach should do, but that's just. That's if I ran the team, I guess, right? Well, actually, he was
2: on he was on TSN 1040 Vancouver a couple of days ago, and actually, I. Uh, oh, I should actually edit some of the audio into this podcast because I got a good relationship with them, but he actually was a lot more candid than I ever expected him to be in regards to the players, Jesse. And he kind of, to jump on what you said, he didn't necessarily throw them under the bus, but when asked, when the question was framed, like in c- compared to what the Vancouver Canucks and, and the Wild have moving forward, like who has the edge, he actually said, well, I think Vancouver, because they have more buy-in to what's going on. And, I, and you know, covering the Wild this year, I kind of just read through the tea leaves. <laughs> and was like, oh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> just a little yeah. bit. Of, Cause he probably figured like who the hell in Minnesota is listening to this. I might as well give an honest answer to right. Vancouver. Well,
4: exactly. And yeah. that's what was so funny with him. Cause we would ask things and you could tell he kind of bit his tongue and I was like, <laughs> I'm not trying to bait you, but I am just, you know, he was trying yeah. to play nice with everybody. Yeah. And I was like, Bruce, come on. You don't need to be that <laughs> reserved with us. Like let's hear it. But what are you going to do? Right.
3: Well, no. And that, that kind of transitions pretty well too. I know last time that you were on with Isha on the soda pod, uh, there was conversation around the head coach search. Yeah. Um, and I want to frame this in the light where, you know, let's say because of the world where you know COVID stops the plans from happening, has Dean Evison shown you enough in his short tenure to convince you that he should be a front runner? And if not, you know, who do you have your eye on as the next coach?
4: I I would be fairly surprised if it was Dean. Um, not that he doesn't deserve a chance, right? Like I think. He, he did prove himself toward the end when they won what 12 of their last 18 and that's impressive and they kind of turned the ship around and, and started to write it and again that's because i think the guys were playing for dean a little bit harder than they maybe were for bruce toward the end there um you know it's funny i had said peter Laviolette would be my number one but in talking to um pat micheletty who's also a bardown beauty guest quite often um he, he brought up a good point he's like but i want someone young and new you know lavi has been around and he's been let go and, and you know he's got a yeah. system that is hard and he's like and ask Kevin Fiala if you would want to play for La right
3: and that's, that's 100% where I'm at with it so yeah. Russo actually was talking about it recently where he said I don't want him because he didn't get anything out of Fiala when exactly. like exactly let's be real though Fiala came to the wild when he was 22 right most players aren't going to develop by then unless they're like a top tier player mm-hmm. so I, same thing I would ask Fiala like what do you think of this guy because yep. he took mm-hmm. a team to win a Stanley cup. He exactly. took another team to the Stanley cup, took a third team to the Stanley cup All Right, with like teams that weren't that well built to go with young players, right? Like with young players,
2: like in Philadelphia too. So that's just something to, yeah. to keep in mind. Like Drew Vorchek, they were yeah. just like mid twenties around that time where he, mm-hmm. you know, started to, to really help elevate that team.
4: Right. And that's the, and the wild desperately need to have that change. It needs to start going younger. The team needs. And I think Bill Guerin, he's very, very smart. And I think he knows what he's doing. And there's just, there's a level of trust that you just, you get the sense, like, you know, he's going to do the right. And obviously I think he, uh, he knows who he wants. I think he's got quite the list. Um, I mean, you look at all the coaches, I would say. Gallant would be up there too, but I don't think he wants to coach again. I think he's probably a little kind of out of it, but I think he would be a great coach again, selfishly. I look at the guys that would be great to work with. Uh you know Bruce was wonderful <laughs> like Bruce. to work with, right? Like if Tortorella came in here I'd be like, "Nope, bye, oh. not covering this team anymore." Like I loved like there was I asked him a question this year and I like I could feel him searing through me, but it's the one mm-hmm. time being a girl really helps because he like he was like, "What?" And he's like stops for a second. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like, "No, I don't answer questions about that." And then he just walked off and, <laughs> and like every all the CBJ people were like Hey, you got another 10 seconds out of him? I'm like, yeah, I did like <laughs> whatever. Oh, um, no, but I think, yeah, I would say talk to Fiala about it. Cause the other thing about Lavi, would for, to me is he didn't get what he could out of Grandland either. Well, you know, like, I think that's another piece right. I think Grandland isn't performing in Nashville, like everybody thought he would Right? like that was the fear, like, oh no, no, Nashville is lethal. And I think yeah. Grandland in general is having a tough time adjusting to the systems there. It's Um, adjusting.
3: And it's also just the depth they have down the middle. Like you look at a guy like Kyle Turris, who they thought was going to be a great pull in too. And he's playing fourth line center. Like that's not even as much an issue with the coach as it is. Like, how are you managing and structuring the
4: whole team? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, But yeah. And I, I mean, that's, He'd be the top of my list, but I'd be curious. I think, again, I think Bill probably has a couple, his eye on a couple. I don't know the AHL coaches quite as well, um, but true. maybe there's a guy down there that deserves a shot. I don't think it'd be Tim army. Who's who's with the wild, but, um, you know, somebody else too. again, younger coaches seem to be leading their teams in the NHL quite well. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, fair. I wouldn't hate a new name either.
3: Which well, is- and before we jump to the next question too, I, I just got to ask because it is Bill Guerin, do you th- like what percentage chance would you put on Someone like Doug Waite being the next coach. Ooh,
4: Ooh, I hadn't even thought I like it. That's a good one. I that's a really good one. I hadn't even said that. Yeah. Besties. I mean, play. Yeah. I like it. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's somebody that he would consider if that was of interest. Right. Like, why not? I mean, I, I. I'd say, why not? At this point, I don't think Bill could really go wrong. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, again, it's not necessarily that Dean is a bad choice. He just doesn't scream yep. head coach to me. He screams assistant coach to me. I think he's a very strong assistant. I just don't know that he has it's, there's just like this hunger or there's this energy that he's just, he's too laid back a exactly. little bit for me, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like it's just kind of tough to see like, how do you get this? How do you get these guys going? Like, I just, you know, I don't, I don't get it. And from what I can tell, I mean, he's a great guy. It's, it's, he'd be fine. I just think he's not head coach material personally.
3: Well, and what do you think about that being part of the reason that, you know, it was such an abrupt departure for Bruce? Like, did Garen need to do something before Bruce caught too much steam so that he could get Evison in to decide, is this, or is this not my guy?
4: I don't, you know, I don't know. Again, it's just, I'm so curious as to the reason, like I, I, if say the players weren't the factor, right. Which I think they were, Uh, (laughs) um, I don't, I don't know if he was, I, I, it would shock me that Garen would ever really be legitimately considering Epson. Because again, I think Bill came into this year, trying to be patient and trying to really look at everybody and say, what are the pieces here? What do we have? And I think that went the same with who he wants as a coach. I think he probably came in knowing that Bruce was on the last year of his contract anyway, so he's like, you know what, we'll keep the guy no matter what. Um, and I already have. X, Y, Z in mind for, for guys and candidates when, when we finally let Bruce go at the end of the year, I think something had to have happened again. And that's why I feel like it was a locker room thing because it had to be behind closed doors. And I don't think it was necessarily for him to consider elevating Dean. I think something just wasn't working in the locker room. and, Mm. And Bill finally said, you know what, I have to make a move because right now the teams were there. And again, with Bruce, they weren't doing terrible either, right? At that point in time, when they let Bruce go, I mean, there was the New York Rangers fluff that that time would have made sense that sure you let him go after they lose to the Rangers when they were up, but it didn't happen. And so when you let him stay for another week, it was like, huh, what's, what's going on here. Um, but to answer your question, no, I don't know that it was to necessarily consider Dean for a future position in my opinion. No, fair.
2: Well, there's definitely a lot of options moving forward. So it's not like Bill Guerin's pressured to, you know, try to like fetch like the big fish out there right now. Cause there's arguably a few uh, out there right now. And speaking of a lot of options, I want to, I want to actually talk a little bit about the Vancouver Canucks and Minnesota wild uh, qualifying round here. There's a lot, there's three options in net for the Minnesota wild right now to move forward with and to start with um, in the start of this best of five series and the best of five series plays a lot into the role because if it was a best of seven series, I believe the Minnesota Wild, you know, coaching and management would be a little bit more comfortable to be like, okay, well, we have three options who are all, you know, proven somewhat in, in with the sample size that we've seen that we can be comfortable with them, especially coming off a break. But in such a tight series, it's kind of like you have to roll with two max. You don't even have the option to throw that third out there if needed. So who starts in the qualifying round in your mind? Because like I said, all are kind of playing with house money right now, given that they've all had time off and well, the NHL goalies and the AHL goalies goalie, they, they haven't been taking any shots at all because State of Hoppy kind of mentioned that if it was right out of the AHL then you know obviously you'd probably want to go with both your NHL guys guys, because they've been facing NHL shots now that's taking nothing away from Kakunin but he'd be more used to well the NHL game or the AHL game rather the AHL speed and AHL shots to the net now that everyone kind of has a clean slate do you think they go with the younger guy first or what are your thoughts in regards to how the Minnesota Wild tackle this well goaltending position against the Vancouver Canucks who's in my opinion they're biggest strength is Jacob Markstrom
4: hundred percent. And you guys are lucky that there was this break, right? Because Markstrom's now healthy and you're, oh, it'll yes. be, that's, I mean, that's going to be the game changer to me. That's that's Vancouver's biggest edge is goaltending because that's easily Minnesota's softest spot because me, while Alex Staloc played well down the stretch at the end of the day, to me, he is not a starting goaltender. No, and right agreed. now, Devin Dubnik is not a starting goaltender either. Kapil did phenomenal in the AHL, number one goalie of the, of the year down in the AHL, right? So I think you have to give him a look, not only because you you want to give him that chance, but you need to see if you need to pick up a goaltender during this free once free agency comes around too. Because I think that's something that Bill needs to figure out. Because I don't see Devin or Alex being a starter, and if Capo's not up for that job either, then you need to hit the market, or you need to make a trade, or you need to do something to get the goal, goalie in there to help your squad. Um, I think you would start game one looking at either Devin or Alex. I don't think Apple gets kind of a look until maybe game two or game three. I think you got to stick with Dev. I think Devin's hungry to get back. We, we zoomed with him. Last week, I think it was, or two weeks ago, and he had said he's like, "I'm ready to fight for my spot" because he he's acknowledged Alex was the number one and Alex mm-hmm. deserved that that spot. You know, he was Devin was not playing well, and and Devin gets in his own head. Devin's his own worst enemy. Most goalies are, yeah. but Devin so used to being the number one here, and he hadn't been the backup for a while, um, and so when he kind of does that, it it takes him mm-hmm. out of it. I think he's been working really hard. I think he's focused. I think he's re-energized. Um, so I think training camp will tell a lot, but that's what I would do. I would definitely look at either Devin or Al the first, but I think you have to give Capo a look at some point in time, again, just to assess what you have in your goaltending system in general and, and how you fix that because you, uh, everyone knows you ride a hot goalie through the playoffs, right? Like yeah. that is, that's your game changer. So if you don't have anybody that's performing well, you're not going to, you're not going to get all the playoffs and you're not going to have a good season next year then either. Cause then you have to turn and shift your focus to, uh, to what happens next year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And to jump right right off of that, and we only have a couple more questions here for you, Jesse. Again, thanks thanks for making some time for us here on the Soda Pod. Um, do you think that's the biggest well question mark and or biggest um, gap and and kind of uh, goal that Billy Garen has to address moving forward is the net minding position? Because we brought on Jay Fresh Hockey, obviously he's a, a budding analytics uh, star on Twitter, and he said that when he ran the numbers contrary to what the Minnesota wild fan base think in regards to them wanting a number one center and thinking that that's the answer he said that actually if this team had number one like like Vancouver Canucks for example like make Jacob Markstrom style goaltending that they'd be one of the top teams in the league because scoring wise you know I know I know special teams that weren't the greatest but five on five play they, they were one of the best teams in the National Hockey League especially in the second half so do you think that they re- that Billy Garen, you know regardless of what happens in this play-in slash qualifying rounds or even the playoffs do you think that he's gonna be looking for a goaltender regardless if Kapokakinen, you know, shows well, just at least to have that, um, that position just nailed down because who knows if Staylock and Dubnik actually falls off next season.
4: Exactly. I mean, I think he should, I think you're right up the middle. They could be stronger, but to me, goaltending this year has just, has not been great. I mean, that's kind of been some of the biggest weaknesses. That's why they let up three goals. I mean, sure. You could blame the offense, but you know, the defense is stout. But at the end of the day, the last line of defense is your goalie and he can't there they're, and they're two totally different goaltenders, right? Like yeah. it's completely different styles. So it's completely different for the defenseman to play That's in front true. of either yeah, one of yeah, them yeah, too. Sure. Right. Um, but I, I do, I think you have to see what's out there. I think there are a couple, if I, and I haven't looked at this in forever, so I could be wrong, but I believe there are a couple of free agent goalies that are hitting the market that could be good and could easily step in and, and be better than Al or, or Devin. Um, again, no, will to them because I adore them. Great guys too, but, uh, just yeah. not, I don't see either of them being a number one next year, even, and I would love for Bill to, uh, to address that and take a look and talk to Bob Mason too. I mean, I'd be curious if Bob Mason returns, I, another guy that I adore, he's survived so many coaching changes. <laughs> um, but I wonder if that's another area that they look to, to change it up a little bit and maybe, you know, get something different out of your goalies too.
3: Well, if if only Billy G was tied to an organization that had two young blossoming goalies okay, that no, they have to get rid of one fan. of them. <laughs> if
4: only he knew somebody he could call and, and talk to, right? <laughs> Maybe out east that, or something like that. I don't like think that, Rutherford right? makes
3: many trades, though.
4: No, no, not at all. <laughs> I Never. couldn't even hold that one in. Um,
2: so we talked a little bit about the center position. I want to just quickly shift before we, uh, before we leave you here, Jesse, to, to well, some draft talk. Obviously, Byfield, Quinton Byfield and Alexi Lafreniere are kind of the consensus number one and two. Um, but that German kid has, has actually you know made a name for himself too, potentially at the second position in the draft. But if the Wilds somehow, you know, with their luck, fall and receive that first that first overall pick or even the second overall pick, do you, I mean, who do you believe is the better, you know, top prospect? And I know it's, it's kind of pulling at strings here, but this for the sake of conversation, if they had a choice between Lafreniere and Byfield, whether they're at one or two and and receive that draft pick upon the second phase of this lottery, what do you think they need more? You know, I know Lafreniere everyone's saying is the consensus number one, but he's not a generational player and the wild realistically, they got their wings covered with young talent, especially Whenever Kirill Kaprizov joins the team, so do you do you think that Lafreniere's you know they should just scoop him up if they have the opportunity because of what all the scouts have said about him, or do you think that Quinton Byfield could honestly be the answer because a you know he does fill that center position as a young player who can play deep in the lineup and not have to be just given that top role with the with the centermen that are there, or do you think there's another player entirely that maybe the Wild uh, like a wild card, no pun intended, that the Wild have been scouting? <laughs>
4: I like Lafreniere, why not bring him here? Right? Like, I mean, I think it'd be hard to pass that up. Not only would it be hard cause you're, you're right. We, the wings are plentiful and, and you can figure stuff out, but also you don't want them going to another team, especially in the Western conference. I think more importantly, True. right? Like keep them here. Don't want to play against them. Um, you know, I, I do, I think you're going to see a very different team in general next year too. So I don't even know that I just, I get the sense that bill kind of really wants to just kind of break it up and, and start a new, and I'm sorry, wild fans. That means rebuild um i know people hate to to hear that but it, it has to happen but i would say lafreniere um again i don't i don't know too much about a lot of the prospects either Damn. unfortunately that's kind of completely out of my league i would pick an american too just because of my affiliation with usa hockey um <laughs> i would love to see an american go high up uh, yeah. i know they had a well, good last year last year. i don't think they're as strong yeah i don't think they're as strong this year as they were last year but um no i would say. Lafreniere. Let's, let's go with that one. I like that. Uh, yeah, Although well, we all know Chicago will sneak in and get the number one uh, pick. Well, anyway, they're or... they're going to get the number one.
2: Yeah. stop. please. I love the Minnesota wild and Vancouver Canucks. I don't want to hear anything about Chicago.
4: <laughs> um,
2: no, but the only reason I asked, it wasn't necessarily to like get your scouting report or anything. It was just more of yeah. like a, a positional thing because from what right. I've heard, especially from, you know, all the major scouts, especially up here in Canada, like Craig button, for example, he said that like, there's not that one and two player and then a separation this year. It's kind of like, it goes like one to 10 and any of those players, you know, could, you know, could be top players in the national hockey league and that Quinton Byfield could be the next Anze Kopitar. And I'm thinking like, even if you, if he falls to three in the wild, somehow of the third overall pick, I mean, isn't that the type of player that, you know, positionally you need to address and that you just can't pass up in general, or maybe even at the top, I don't know. So that's why I just wanted to get your opinion.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right. I agree. It would fill a hole a lot better than that friend. probably would an immediate hole too, especially. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, at this point, I think. I mean, take who you can get to be smart about it, but do I, I just, there's so much that kind of needs to change systematically. And then just with the guys that they do have, I think it, you just need a shake up, like I'm really looking forward to some sort of shake up next year, just because I think the wild need it. I think there's just, it's. It just has a weird vibe about it. And they're the, wild. you know, it's kind of a, a boring team, right? Like let's get something in there. Let's get Krill Kaprasov, uh, playing and, uh, see what happens there. And that's the other thing too, I think. That's what's unfortunate. Like, you wish that you could bring in Kaprosoft now and he could play. And then you could oh, see what he has, no. what he brings, and how do you build around him? Because that's what every other team's been able to do, except the Wild, is build around a superstar. The Wild have not had a superstar, going back to what I said, since Marion Gabbard. Mm-hmm, right. So you haven't been able to build around one player. And that's what you want to do. So you want to see what Kaprosoft can bring. And again, he, he's going to be different because he has to adjust to the North American hockey style in addition to the NHL. And he's still a young kid and, uh, and he can't play in the playoffs now too. So you can't think of that, but also that that's a thing, I think something that you consider going into the draft is okay. Say so a office here, how to, do, what does he need to be successful and what kind of player does he need? So I think that's a, a thing to consider as well. Yeah. And I mean,
3: Isha, you know, I like to play devil's advocate too, like oh, too well, my friend I <laughs> get the drafting for need, but why not take Lafreniere? And then you have him, Kaprasov, and Fiala. And Fiala. Any yeah. of them can be pulled into a deal to get that number one center you want, who is proven when, again, you don't know if Byfield's going to turn into Anze Kopitar. He could be better. But mm-hmm. you also have seen oh too many times that that guy ends up being a bust. Right. So why not take the guy that's most likely to be a premier talent and then pick out of those three? It might irk some of the wild fans, but... If you can bring in Lafreniere and he's your first-line winger, and then you can trade Kaprasov or Fiala in a big package. for Or a, defense, or a defender, center. right? Or a
4: defenseman. Right? Right, yeah.
3: Yeah. Or, or both if it's the right guy. I, mm-hmm. I would trade one of those wingers and one of the two defensemen that we've talked about trading in some kind of package for Eichel. No questions asked. Oh, man. Just... Zero.
4: Nope. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you wouldn't do it? I don't like him. <laughs> he's kind if, of a dick if you were in he's buffalo I'd be i mean he's too, kind guessing. of a dick um,
2: <laughs> hey well you live in mean, buffalo too and <laughs> yeah
4: right no like that. <laughs> uh, i mean i get it right like i feel i feel for the kid like that's so you F- don't want to interview low, him i get it <laughs> yeah. no never i i've had to a couple times and really? kind like, of oh yeah he's kind of a dick okay okay sorry but he is just full discretion i've I've told usa hockey people
3: that yeah (laughs) placeholder center who is equivalent talent to eichel
4: sure (laughs) i mean yeah that works too i mean i wouldn't i think he would do i think he would thrive here better than buffalo obviously right and i think he that would probably change his mood and his attitude a little bit as well i would i would imagine just getting out of buffalo and the buffalo media scrutiny that follows him there too i can't imagine that's easy for the media the organization
3: just living in Buffalo versus the I mean, twin just, cities, like all yeah. of it,
4: <laughs> all of it. That's true.
2: <laughs> oh, this, this has been amazing, Jesse. Um, what do you have coming up on either NHL.com, the athletic or the podcast that uh, our listeners can, uh, can make sure to catch you on.
4: I have no writings coming out at all, unfortunately, until hockey comes back. Right, fair um, enough. <laughs> I, uh, no, I think again, training camp opens today, right? Cause this is premiering on Monday, but, uh, it's hopefully you'll see my byline soon once hockey gets going. Otherwise bar down beauties. We're going to continue to release episodes. We've got Jillian Fisher who does those really cool awesome. NHL videos. She's yeah. our guest, uh, this week. So hilarious gal. I can't wait to chat with her. Um, but yeah, that's mostly where you can find me. I'm on Twitter posting pictures of lakes and kids and beers and I'm, hockey sometimes too. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's about all right now. Again, uh, hopefully hockey cu- kicks up and you'll see me a little bit more until then I'll hop on podcasts anytime. So let me know.
2: Awesome. Well, like I said, the last time you came on, I feel, I think that after the first time you came on the podcast, you said like, Isha, whenever you want, like, let me know. And then two weeks later, I had a guest that fell through and I texted you. I was like, can you come on a half now? An and you're like, let's do it. And I was like, well, sure, I'm taking you not? up on that. I, I love it. <laughs> no, my well,
4: husband, he's always like, what are you another one? I'm like, yeah, just don't worry about it. Like take the kids. Like I gotta go. <laughs> I'm famous. Okay. Like, yeah. Right. Right.
2: <laughs> uh, well, we're out of time. Jesse again. Thank you for yours. Your work is truly outstanding. I-, I can't wait for, uh, for again, for you to start writing again and to catch up again soon down the road thank you very much thanks for having me guys thanks again jesse that was great it's always a pleasure talking to you let's jump into our final segment of the show we got a few more minutes here um there we had a lot of topics that we were maybe gonna like dive into here state of hoppy we're running a little bit short on time so i'm gonna put a couple on the back burner and bring them up next week. But I quickly wanted to just highlight that there's been a recent outbreak of COVID-19 in an Edmonton hospital that pretty much shut down the entire hospital other than life life threatening cases in which they're going to still take in. So just to paint the picture to those in the United States, like yes, Canada, Alberta and British Columbia in particular are handling this uh, virus very, very well. It's still not perfect as you know, one case can, can cause this, especially in a hospital. So very interested to see how, how everything plays out. I mean, I'm sure Edmonton's still going to be the hub city. I'm, stu- I'm sure Edmonton's still going to be, you know, the site for the Stanley cup finals, but it's just something to think about. And uh, we're going to continue to highlight these stories because it can't be overlooked. All right. One, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about here. And, um, and I know it's, it's something that we, we, we thought maybe we'd have time last week but we wanted to do our due diligence and actually you know carve out a few like a few solid minutes um to dive into this topic is uh well within with the day and age that we're living in here uh, state of hockey and um the chicago blackhawks have come up as one of the national hockey league's teams where their logo yeah, is a heated conversation for lack of a better term. Uh, There's one side of the fence saying that, that is, it is offensive to indigenous communities. And there's another side of the fence from, uh, well, from hockey fans and some indigenous communities saying that, no, it actually honors indigenous communities and raises awareness. And that's kind of the stance that the Chicago Blackhawks are taking. As we see more and more in sports, Um, there, there are a lot of teams that, that are facing a ton of pushback for not changing their names. And within the context, I can see why the Chicago Blackhawks are a little bit of a different story in regards to the Washington's football club and, uh, and the Cleveland's baseball club, for example. Um, I know locally, I have some ties that I want to bring in, uh, as we, you know, as we continue to talk about this, but I wanted to get your thoughts right away.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that's hard to, comment on when we don't know what's being said on the other side like if it's true if it's to honor them and you know if there are you know indigenous people native americans that you know do feel that way that's awesome again it's one of the the greatest jerseys that most people will agree on in the nhl but if they're taking any form of offense to it it doesn't matter if our intention is to honor them what matters is how it's being taken by the people it represents so, without knowing their thoughts, it's hard to say for certain. But I'd encourage anyone who either does or doesn't watch the TV show South Park, season 18, episode one, go fund yourself. They do a phenomenal satirical representation of what it's like to be the professional franchise that just doesn't hear the pleas of people that want to have it changed because it's offensive that may or may not apply to the Blackhawks. That's not what I'm saying, but to see it from the Redskins perspective in particular, uh, it just kind of brings things full circle in a funny way.
2: Well, in regards to the Redskins too, like there's, again, you got to like pull back all the curtains because the Chicago Blackhawks, to the best of my knowledge, there's not a lot of, there's not a history of racism, for example. Whereas with, with again, the, with with the Redskins, they were, if I'm not mistaken, the last NFL team to, to, to suit up an African-American player professionally. Um, that's something that I heard on sports news radio recently. So, I mean, that's just one piece of the big puzzle here. Um, I, I know the the Cleveland Indians, for example, they've, they've kind of taken a step back on, uh, on the chief icon that they you know used to brand on everything. Um, and those, those are good steps, but, uh, I really do think that those two in particular are going to be the ones that are that go before the Blackhawks, but we could see a day where the Chicago Blackhawks, um, also, you know, Again, just because of like what you said, it's not about it's not about the argument coming from the other way. If there's if there's a group of people you know who belong within that um, circle who take offense to that and who don't want that being their representation, don't want a sports team, you know, essentially making money off what who they are. I, I completely understand that and I completely get on board with that. But at the same time, I think that there that history does have to play a part in it, especially if it's split within the communities as well, you know, and I know within the Blackhawks, you know, like I, I I'm, I'm very involved where, and, and I was when I worked uh, in childcare uh, full-time involvement in, with a lot of the indigenous communities, even out here in, in Canada. And I'll say that half of them like the Blackhawks because of that representation more than just the local team of the Canucks. Whereas, you know, there was, there was some pushback uh, within other groups. Um, a local example here. Um, uh, in the VIJHL, the Vancouver Island Junior B Hockey League, we have a team called the Sanish Braves, which um, essentially the logo is is a First Nations uh, face as well. And recently on their home jerseys anyways, they've just started to do kind of a college-style Braves, just, just the, the print of the name. Um, and this came out on July 8th. And I'm just going to quickly read the media release before we bring on Neil Villapiano to talk about uh, the New Jersey Devils before our show ends here, but I think this is important and, and adds to this conversation. Uh, owner of the Sandwich Junior Braves has announced plans to rename the hockey team. The Sandwich Junior Braves name is not respectful to our First Nations and does not reflect the valued relationships we hold with our local First Nations communities or with our First Nations players. We've decided to rename the team and we have started to process, the process to develop a new name that upholds our core values. Community excellence, equality are central to everything we do in hockey. And as a hockey team, and we commit to our players, families, and fans as a whole, uh, the community to use changing our name as an opportunity to contribute and to amplify positive dialogue about race and equality in Canada. So the team owner um, and media released that statement and I quickly retweeted and, and this wasn't to be, this wasn't to play devil's advocate or to show any disrespect. I, I just simply retweeted with this comment. Was this simply a response to current events or did the Sanits Braves actually do their due diligence, consult local indigenous communities for support, self-education and positive consultation. I wrote if, if it was only because of the first point, then this statement is kind of empty because you're just jumping on the train and there's not really any education behind it. I think it has to be, Holistic for lack of a better term. If you're going to, if you're going to change the name, do it wholeheartedly, do it with consultation and, 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 you know, work with the indigenous communities to, to, to consult and, and, and rectify any damage that was done rather than just and I hate to throw the owner under the bus cause I don't necessarily mean to do that, but instead of just jumping on the train, cause he did come on local radio uh, that day and explain that it was because of a conversation that he heard on the radio that kind of gave him a change of heart. And I, I think that's awesome, but I do think there needs to be more consultation in, in the process. Um, like what are your thoughts on, on that or on, on, my, on my thoughts?
3: I mean, it goes both ways. Like, Even if it's something that's reactionary, at least they're jumping on when there's others that still aren't. But that said, I think the biggest point that you made is you got to have the conversation with those communities and see what they think, you know? So I agree with you completely on that. And I agree that it's somewhat empty if they didn't, you know, initiate this on their own accord versus following trends. But it's still good getting on board regardless at this point.
2: Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, I want to continue this conversation down the road because I, I personally I'm attached to the Chicago Blackhawks, um, logo. And again, I'm a Vancouver, I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan, but I'm just saying from an artistic point of view, it's a beautiful logo and I never would have. And again, this is coming from a, uh, probably, you know, uh, a position of ignorance to some degree but again from someone who has been tapped into these indigenous communities who's worked with a lot of people mind you in canada not in <laughs> chicago and that's that's a very important note too not every indigenous community can be painted under the same brush especially here in Vanc on vancouver island but i do want to i guess break the door downs on this topic further on later episodes right now though i want to i want it's a hard right turn to take but I, but we'll take it and uh, i want to bring on uh Neil Villapiano, host of, well, I, I, you know what? I can't intro you, man. You, you got to do it because you got so many shows. You got books. You, you're a star here. You work with ESPN. You're on the Hockey Podcast oh, Network. You're a devil's insider on this show. How's it going, But I'll, I'll let you
1: do the proper intro. Hang
3: on. I love how Hockey Podcast Network was the final plug on there that was his highest accolade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, what's going on, guys? How's everybody doing today? Um, I'm sure everybody's... Uh, doing well one way or another during this quarantine. Um, but yeah, for those of you that don't know, my name is Neil Villapiano. I am the host of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, the New Jersey Devils podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, I've been through now, what, about five episodes so far since the beginning of uh, beginning of July. So it's, it's been a lot of fun, honestly. Um, I'm also the host of the MoFobo uh, Sports Network, both as a podcast, which you can find on Anchor, and spotify and i'm also the host of of our um our youtube channel where you can check out a video that we post weekly about um you know things are going on in the world of sports uh and i'm also an author i wrote a book i wrote a book called j-e-t-s pain 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 which is about being the pain having the pain and suffering of being a new york jets fan so obviously for a lot of people who have experienced that pain especially if you are a jets fan uh this might be the book for you so uh you know, definitely go check that out. But um I'm happy to uh I'm happy to jump on here with you guys. See, I you couldn't you, you I you couldn't know this have done is a Minnesota
3: based podcast, right? What's <laughs> up? We, we know plenty about football soros, so good. you're good.
1: Good. I'm glad I'm glad I could uh I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that guys hear that. and he's a tremendous author
2: too he contributes for espn he's he's also a broadcaster for local junior b hockey like i said i i just didn't get my list together neil or else i would have given you a yeah, proper no, intro. I, have,
1: I have one of them um the jersey shore whalers is the hockey team that i broadcast for um we're out of the usphl which is the top uh junior hockey league in the united states um and we cover games on hockey tv along with uh Our play-by-play guy, uh, Jimmy Finizzi, shout out to him. Um, Yeah, we're actually, he and I are getting ready to, um, hopefully if the season actually happens, uh, going into our fourth season together broadcasting side-by-side. So, uh, you know, that'll be a lot of fun once we get that season underway.
2: That's awesome, man. And yeah, everyone go check out Neil's work right after you uh, tune in to this podcast. Okay, yeah. Neil. We don't have a lot of time left here on the show, but I did want to bring you on. And I know people who've listened to the Soda Pod uh the last few months are familiar with you as you know, you came on for a full blown guest segment. I think we talked for like an hour, man. Neil's one that was of the...
3: my first one that I listened
2: to, man. Oh, That's my gateway go. drug.
1: There you, there you go. go.
2: Um, Neil knows so much about the sport of hockey, but so much in particular about the New Jersey Devils. He's doing an outstanding job for the Hockey Podcast Network right now. And there have been some big changes and, uh, you know, and a lot of news in regards to New Jersey Devils this week. And I thought, who better to talk about it than Neil Villapiano? So let's start with, uh, well, the general manager now. His, his interim tag was removed um, before we get into the coaching change. Because again, we didn't even talk about Lindy Ruff when you came on the podcast and talked That's about true. a host a few months ago. Let's start with the general manager and then we can segue into the coach. Um, are you happy with this move by the New Jersey devils in regards to the general manager?
1: I am unbelievably pumped. Uh, this is oh. the guy that everybody, we all wanted him. Every devil's fan. You can ask. This is the guy we wanted. We liked Fitzgerald from the time he got the interim role what he did during the trade deadline and how bluntly honest he was about the expectations of this organization over the next couple of years. Look, the reality is simply this. The team has a lot of young, talented players that are going to be here for a long time. But but also the fact that are, are the Devils a Stanley Cup contender? Not for another couple of years. They need to better their defense. They need to find a legitimate backup goaltender for Mackenzie Blackwood so that, so that he doesn't have to play you know, 40, 50 games a year. And I think that with time and with someone who fully understands the holes that we need to fill, uh, which apparently to me, it feels like Fitz is that guy. Um, You know, that's the way we're looking at it. So we all wanted Tom Fitzgerald to get the job. We were just kind of wondering when that was going to be. We didn't know if it was going to be, you know, earlier this, this, you know, period, or if it was going to be down the road, you know, and and we'd also heard about the, you know, the possibility of maybe former Canucks general manager, Mike Gillies, Maybe getting the job. I know he was interviewed. He was pretty much the only other guy that I know of that was reported that was interviewed for the job. But I think at the end of the day, uh, Joshua Harris and David Blitzer realized that you know Fitz is the right guy for this team. It's his time to become a general manager. He's been he's well respected around the hockey community. A lot of people wanted to see him get a GM job. He'd already been offered a couple opportunities. Uh, one of them, I think you and Isha, Isha, you and I talked about, was he was actually offered. Uh, a chance to interview for the general manager job uh, with Minnesota, um, right. you know, yeah. I think about a year ago. So he had, you know, so he's, he's definitely uh, somebody that was considered a hot commodity. And I, I'm just really happy that the Devils were able to get him. And now that he's officially the general manager, we can now take that next step uh, towards getting back to being a very respected and competitive franchise.
2: Well, in just your opinion quick, I mean, what what made him so... Um, well, I, I guess what's made him so so liked by the fans and what made him a hot commodity amongst, well, uh, franchises? Because like you said, he was interviewing. And I mean, even even out here in Vancouver, we heard his name circling around when Jim Benning's contract was up before he right. signed his extension. So what makes this guy special in in, in like a minute or, or a minute 30?
1: Well, well, to be very quick with you, I would say number one is that the way that he was respected as a player, you know, he was uh, one of the first captains in, Florida Panther history. He helped lead the Panthers to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1996. So he's a born leader. I think a lot of people respect him for that. And I think as he worked up the range, especially with Pittsburgh, working under Ray Sherrill and then coming to New Jersey and doing the same thing, you could just tell that he had a lot of, you know, positive things to, that people said about him throughout the community. I think a lot of the moves that he makes, particularly working with the Binghamton Devils the last couple of years and just gaining as much knowledge as possible I think that was a big thing. But I think the number one thing was that he was bluntly honest with where the team was. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't try to, you know, say false things. He said, look, we're a couple of years away from being a Stanley Cup contender. We just need to fill in some pieces. We have a lot of young talent, and we just have to move forward with that. And we're going to do it, but it's going to take some time. And now that we've kind of officially said that we're in a rebuild, that just kind of makes it a little bit, you know, more of a, you know, weight off the shoulder type of thing where now we know exactly where we are as an organization. And knowing that we have someone like Fitzgerald who understands the team, understands what it takes to get to the point that he wants, wants to be at with this franchise um, is a very positive and certainly exciting time uh, in the Devils organization.
2: Well, I mean, it, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're excited because I mean, this team obviously didn't, didn't perform up to the level that a lot of us th- especially outside of the market, thought we would. I mean, State of Hoppy, right. just, just quickly, when, when, when all these moves were made last year with the uh, with the New Jersey Devils, uh, P.K. Subban, the, uh, it escapes me right away with the Russian signing. Nikita Gusev. Gusev, you know, the Peter top Peter player Gusev. of the KHL. Um, yep. And Jack Hughes, I mean, State of Hoppy, did you not think that this team would actually be a little bit more competitive than what they were? Like, Or were, was this their true well, colors?
3: I mean, that's not a fair question because they were – just awful compared to expectations. I thought that they would be kind of in that bubble range. I kind of saw them as being a 9 or 10 just on the outside looking in, but if they hmm. got in and were a six, seven, eight, I wouldn't be shocked. But, I mean, to your point, you throw out all those names and everyone thinks it's just immediately going to click, everything's going to work. Yeah. I definitely didn't expect them to fall down the rankings as far as they did. But I also wasn't the one sitting here saying that they were going to be one of the three teams that represented the metropolitan either.
2: I think I I jumped, like I drank the Kool Aid too early, and I really at one point because <laughs> I remember when that trade went down. Actually, uh, Dylan, co-creator of the Hockey Podcast Network, and I we were uh, we were I think we we're I think we were actually. I think we were actually getting stoned before the draft when really? all this went down and before we Lonely. walked in, before we walked Lonely. into Rogers Arena um, for the whole day. Cause that was one of those things where you check in, you can't check out. So we're like, well, we might as well get a little toasty in the morning because what else do we got to lose here at right. Rogers Arena spending the whole day for rounds two to seven? And I remember that came up and we were like, holy shit, this is insane. What a trade. But I mean, lo and yep. behold, taking nothing away from Kyle Palmi- Palmieri. He led this, the team in points last year with 45 points, 25 goals. Nikita Gusev and Nico Hesher right behind him. I mean, I know there were, expect, there were expectations. Taking nothing from
3: Palmieri in general, man. That guy is way underrated. That's one of the best trades Indeed. that Shero's pulled off between New Jersey and Pittsburgh. So
1: he released them enough, in that one. Ironically enough, it actually wasn't Shero who made the move. Shero was hired a couple months before. Lula Morella was still actually the GM. Okay. And he was the one that made So that was actually the last move. Okay. That Lou but made. who who do who do we think pulled the strings to make that happen? Oh well without a doubt, I think you know, <laughs> the advice. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. Like when you look at it like officially, I think people would say that it was Ray Shiro, but like I've always defended, like, no, Lou Lamarel, I think, was the one that told Shiro to make the move. Um, but I mean oh, that's just but you know what, Kyle Palmer, a guy who comes from being a fourth liner in Anaheim to She's his first so year good. on the team, he's a thirty goal scorer. It's amazing. And that goes back to Tom Fitzgerald when they asked him during the trade after the trade deadline, why did you not trade Kyle Palmieri? He pretty much said it. Why am I trading a 30 goal score? That doesn't make any sense. You don't find those that often. So I applauded him for it. And I know that you know Palmieri wants to stay in New Jersey long term. And I think the Devils are gonna work out a contract. And that's you know, that's the way I look at it. He's he's loved playing in his home state, he loves playing for the Devils. And as Devils fans, we've really enjoyed him. And he is one of the most underrated players, not only even on the Devils, but especially in the NHL. I don't think enough people give him the credit that he deserves um, for a guy that as a top-line you know, right winger, he does a fantastic job. I'm not only putting the puck in the back of the net, but definitely doing a, a solid job of setting guys up as well.
3: Yeah, and, and Neil, I completely agree on Paul Mary, and it kind of circles back. I don't think that it's – a direct comparison by any means, but that's why the wild need to get Donato into a higher role than the fourth line. Mm -hmm. Give him a chance, let him thrive. And guess what? If it doesn't work. Okay. Failed experiment. You know, he's not your guy, but at least give him the chance to either thrive or fail. Yeah. No, I get And Paul, that. And Paul Mary's
2: been on a very team friendly deal for the last few years. He has one more year at 4.65 yeah. 4. cap hit. And I can't imagine he's going to ask for the Sun, Moon, and Stars, especially if he wants to stay in, yeah. in New Jersey. But I, I do think north of six million dollars, this player deserves it. You score 30 goals in the league. And yeah. I, I didn't mean to take anything away from him. I'm just saying that like there's not an established superstar. Because though he's a great player, he's not he's not a superstar. And we that have is. to see huh. the likes of Jack Hughes and we have to see the like of Nico Heesher hopefully develop into yeah. that role. We got about five minutes here Neil I mean I'd love to have you on obviously like longer but uh but we have to get to uh some more business right after this but the last thing I want to talk about and this is the hot topic right I mean this was on Vancouver radio for like 45 minutes today man and that's Lindy Ruff hired as the head coach of the New Jersey Devils, which, again, I don't want to take anything away from Lindy Ruff's resume as a coach in the National Hockey League. But one thing I will say, Neil, is there were a ton of other options that I truly believe could have been better than Lindy Ruff, um, especially because he's an old-school coach and I know that the New Jersey Devils have one of the best analytics departments in the national hockey league. Now I'm not again, suggesting that it old is. school hockey and analytics can't work together. It's just going back to our conversation. We've threw so many names on the table as potential coaches, man. And this guy was not even on our radar. We thought Ellie right. Nazardine
1: would be resigned before this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, um, Look, it, w- it was definitely a surprise. Uh, and ironically, of all people, to announce that it was Kevin Weeks originally. Um, I think that was kind of ironic considering he's one of the only people that has a relationship with both, with both the Rangers and the, and the Devils. And, I mean, at first, it w- I, I, I mean, I'll just say this. I'm not angry about the hire. I'm not like a lot of the Devils fans out there on Twitter that have been losing their mind. I think people are overreacting. I think that they feel the world is coming to an end when it's not. The reality is simply this. Gerard Gallant didn't want the job and Peter Laviolette wanted way more money than I'm sure the Devils felt comfortable getting, which tells me one of two things. Either one, the Devils were being somewhat cheap and didn't want to pay him, or two, that Laviolette really didn't honestly want the job, but he would have taken it if he was given the right amount of money. With Lindy Ruff, he has been an assistant coach the last three years with the Rangers, albeit he has been criticized for the fact that the defense has not improved. But then again, can I also say... That the Rangers have one of the youngest defensive team, you know, defensive, uh, you know, handful of players in the NHL. So I can't really see how you could really criticize somebody who's trying to help these guys develop and also get out of a rebuild. When he got there, they were trying to rebuild the team, and they're a lot better than what they were the last couple of years. So I have to give him credit there. Also, you know, Lindy Ruff has won 700 plus games, which is sixth all time in the NHL. He's won over 100 playoff games. He took the Buffalo Sabres to the freaking Stanley Cup. He took them to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. And I understand it's been a while since he's last coached and he's considered to be an old school guy. But I said this before on the the Devil's State of Mind podcast. The Devils needed a guy who's going to get in these players' faces, is going to demand a lot from them, and is going to help push them to the next level they can be at. And I think Lindy Ruff can be that. I also want to say this. I think that a lot of Devils fans are going to feel really bad about the way they've been acting the last 24 plus hours when the team starts having a lot of success. Again, I don't know what people's expectations were going to be if LaBulette or Gallant took over. And I don't understand why people think that the Devils are very, very close to being a Stanley Cup contender when we had one of arguably the worst defensive cores in the National Hockey League. And we need to develop. And I think that, with the combination of an old-school guy like Lindy Ruff and, like you mentioned, the analytics of the New Jersey Devils, I think that they'll work it out. Also, remember, this was Fitzgerald's hire. The ownership had nothing to do with it. So stop blaming the ownership for you know doing this. It wasn't their decision. It was Fitzgerald's decision. He trusts him, and we have to do that. We got the general manager that we wanted, which is a lot more important than the head coach because if it doesn't work out in a year or two, okay, you could fire him. And also, here's another thing. When we hired John Hines, he had no NHL head coaching experience. And look what it helped. And look what ended up happening. You make the playoffs, albeit barely, once. And you get, and you end up getting the first overall pick two of the last three years. So is it good that we're trying something completely different? Yes. And I think that at the end of the day, Lindy Ruff is going to do a very solid job. I don't think that it's going to be as all bad as a lot of Devils fans say. And I'm going to talk about this on, the pod, on, my, on my Devils podcast. Uh, either to you know tomorrow or, or Saturday. But at the, the, at the end of the day, Lindy Rupp is a solid hire. I'm starting to see a lot more people get on the bandwagon. And let's just give him an opportunity. He's proven that he is a solid head coach. We just have to give him the chance to prove whether he can or cannot before we completely lose our minds and start posting, you know, Trump videos saying, get the <laughs> SOB out of there. He's fired. You know, I, I'm not going down that. I, I, I don't want to go down that road three games into next season. So let's just give them a freaking chance. Let's see what we do with the cap space that we have, because guess what? Since the cap space space is staying right where it is, we have a chance to take advantage of so many other teams, get a lot more talent in here, and really make a difference right from the jump. So let's just give these guys an opportunity. And Elaine Nasruddin could be an assistant coach with the Devils. He already expressed that he would like to stay with the Devils organization, either stay here or go to Nashville and go work under John Hines again. So I would love to keep Nazruddin on as the power play guy because he did a solid job when he was doing that. So let's just relax a little bit here, guys. We got an experienced coach, and actually competent head coach with a system that is not going to allow this team to score one to two goals a game and have to rely on Mackenzie Blackwood to make 80,000 saves a night, okay? We saw that with Corey Schneider for several years. I'm not trying to see that with Mackenzie Blackwood, and then by 2025, we think that Mackenzie Blackwood was just as bad as Corey Schneider has been the last couple of years. So let's, let's just calm the hell down. The world is not coming to an end, unless you don't count COVID-19, but it's not coming to a freaking end anytime soon. Let's trust in what these guys are doing and give them a chance to prove whether they can or cannot. Neil, I I
2: love your energy, man. You've gotten me all fired up. I, I I can't wait for this next season to see what happens with the Devils. I can't wait to bring you back on Thank the you. podcast. We Thank gotta you. run, man. Uh, again, yeah, I I'm sorry. I hope we uh, I hope next time we have some more time. Shit, man. We'll carve out a whole you know guest segment for you in the next couple of weeks because this is sure. awesome. Um, thanks again for joining us. We again yeah. we we gotta run. But again, uh, you can follow. No you can follow Neil at Devil State on Twitter. You can follow his personal account at the NVP show. And of course, he's part of the MoFobo network on YouTube. And he has a yeah. podcast as well. We'll retweet all your information, my man. Thank uh, thanks for joining the Soda Pod today. That was awesome.
1: No problem. No problem. Thank for having me on.
2: No problem, buddy. All right. State of Hoppy. We got to, we got to run here. So I quickly just want to, want to follow up with one thing and say that he's right in the sense that like Lindy Ruff, he has the experience. I mean, he, he won 50 games with the Dallas stars in 2015, 16, and he did bring up some good points that the Rangers defense was, is really, really young. But if you look at the analytics, take a deep dive into the Rangers' defense. They were absolutely awful last year. So young players or not, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what he does moving forward with this team. Uh, thanks to everybody tuning in on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Folks, the best thing you can do for us this week, uh, besides donating on Patreon, is to give us five stars on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Uh, go listen through our website, thehawkspodcastnetwork.com or on your app. You can download the episode before you listen. As an Helps our business. Uh, jump on Patreon, patreon.com slash the hockey podcast network. Our after hours live show is happening after UFC Fight Island this Saturday. Um, once that's done, go on uh, Facebook slash the hockey podcast network or, or- you know, jump on Twitter. We'll share all the links and all our social media for episode four of the After Hours, and then subscribe to Patreon for the full podcast. If you miss any of the show, you can find me on Twitter at VI Sports Talk. You can find the Soda Pod, which will have all of our poll questions for next week at the Soda Pod and everything else at the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Pod Network. Can they find you, State of Hoppy?
3: You can find me at State of Hoppy on both Twitter and Instagram.
2: Awesome guys. Well, again, this has been outstanding. It's it was one of the first shows where we brought on some live guests. You know, we'll we'll continue to do that down the road, but but bear with us. Um, it was fun though. I mean, Neil, the, the amount of energy that he brought, man, didn't that just blow I your can't mind? Match that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, man. Well, this has been fun. Um, signing off, I'm Isha Jeromey. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.